What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 142 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. We are here to take you through the biggest and the best in video games for the week. Another great week of games. Matt, I think mm -hmm. from here to the end of the year, at least till Thanksgiving-ish. Yeah, which is like the third week in November for people who aren't American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's pretty much something big coming out almost every week until... Basically until Smash Brothers at the yeah. beginning of December. Yep. We are in the sweet spot for video games, people. There's going to be at least one big game on Game Face every week for pretty much the rest of the year. Um, it is awesome to have a great game to play every single week. Mm -hmm. I got done with Forza. Now I'm on Assassin's Creed. And it's just every week it's just going to be one or two in some cases. Uh, so we are in the sweet spot, folks. Game Face is going to be great for the rest of the year. Hope you guys are going to join us along for the ride. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before we move on and start getting into the show, t-shirts. Uh, first of all, thanks to all our European sifters. They are leaving the American sifters in the dust. <laughs> like, literally, the first week of sales for our t-shirts were probably 80% European. Oh. Or not European, just overseas. Hmm. Um, Asia, Europe, mostly Europe. Um, and these people are paying crazy amounts of money to ship these t-shirts. So I just want to say thank you very, very much to our folks overseas who are willing to put the extra cash up to ship the shirts. What's wrong with you American sifters? What's going on, guys? Uh, we do have a fun thing that we're going to do for the shirts, though. We're going to do a photo contest for the shirts. So obviously the first step is you have to buy a shirt. Once you have a shirt, you can take a photo in the shirt and then Matt and I, here on Game Face, are, are going to pick the winner. And the winner gets a free game of their choice. So you just tell me what you want, and we'll buy it for you. You can get a digital, and we'll gift it to you. Or if you want a hard copy of a game, we'll ship it to you, whatever you want. Uh, but we're going to do a fun contest for you guys. So you, you'll need to put on the shirt, go out, do something fun, do something crazy. Um, I don't want to lay down too many rules and say you need to be at like a concert, or you need to be anywhere. Like just. Have fun with it. Don't break the law. Right, right, right. Don't, don't do anything illegal. <laughs> oh, the laws are different in different territories. Well, you know what, you know what your laws are wherever you are. Yeah, uh, but have fun with it. And uh, we'll bring all the photos onto the show. Um, once we launch it, we'll, start, we'll set up a hashtag for you guys to make sure you can hashtag it on Twitter. Or you can always just go into the comments on the show and leave your photos there. Um, but we're going to wait a couple weeks till everybody kind of has their shirts. We just shipped out a ton of them uh, yesterday. And uh, so a lot of people are going to be getting them in the next few days. We want to wait a few more weeks for other people to be able to buy them. I know some of you guys get paid on Goofy Weeks or whatever. You haven't been able to buy it yet. So we want to wait until everybody kind of has them. Uh, and then we're going to do a really fun photo contest with them. So again, don't break the law. Hmm. Don't do anything crude. If you go into a strip club and wear a shirt, you're not going to win. <laughs> you can Shane, do it. Shane might try to let you win, but I'll, I won't. <laughs> You can do it, and you can submit the photo, but I'm telling you, you're probably not going to win if you do that. So anyway, that's coming up soon. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, and also, I have a creed. If you get the entire strip club to wear the shirts... Yeah, then you might win, yeah. actually. Because <laughs> that's, that's initiative. That also that's... would mean that you'd have to buy, like, 20 right, of the shirts. Exactly. Actually, if you did that, you would absolutely win. If anybody <laughs> buys 20 shirts, you win hands down. I'll send you a game without, a, without question. And, and I have another thing here, too. I'm, I have a creed. And my creed is, until we break even on these t-shirts, I am wearing one of these shirts on this show every week. So, <laughs> All right. we'll see how that goes. I could wear this shirt for the rest of the year and into next year. We'll see how it, it works out. Tuesday a lot simpler. <laughs> it definitely does. So, uh, 
So anyway, uh, we have tons of great games to uh, talk about on today's show. We're actually going to kick things off with a game that we talked about kind of uh, in last week's episode. I had, had only play I had played most of it. Matt had not yet played a ton of it, and that's Forza Horizon 4. Uh, we want to wrap it up now that both of us have finished it. You guys have obviously read my game eval by now if you're on Sifted. Uh, so you kind of know what my The highest take ever. Is. The highest ever game eval score on Sifted for Forza Horizon 4. Um, and I think that's a product of it being a complete game. Having a great online, great single player. Yeah, if Witcher had had good online, I guess it would it would still be the king. It would be. I mean, it only it only was dethroned by one-tenth or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah so absolutely. But uh, so Matt, obviously everyone kind of knows how I feel about the final product mm -hmm. at this point. What are your impressions now that you've kind of wrapped it up? Yeah, I'm pretty, well, I haven't wrapped it up. I, I mean, don't know if anybody will wrap no, this up until it. like... January. I'm like level seventy something out of I think two hundred. Yeah. And like I've done I've done all the like the because it's still summer, you know, because the like the seasons seem to change over every five real time days or yeah. so. So I've done all the all the things you can only do during the summer and just sort of running around getting all the boards and stuff. Um, it's good. I mean, it's really good. It's it's. I agree with most of the review. I, I've not had as much crashing as you have. Yeah. Um, so that is so that is actually a big change for me from when we talked about it last week till now. And I, I, I will admit, I kind of let it off the hook a little bit with that stuff because I was playing it before the game was out. Mm -hmm. And so they could have... And I, I did dock it a little bit for it. But to me, I don't know. Being really hard on the connectivity of a game pre-release isn't especially fair. But to be fair, I have gone back and went and played played it online, and it does seem to be better. And there are way more people now mm. on the server, so it could have been they were like I don't know testing code or something along the way. But I had tons and tons of crashes, and it was always when it was connected. But I had crashes uh, in the menus. I had mm. crashes mid race. I had crashes when it was loading races, and it would just boot me back to the home screen. Mm on my Xbox One. Yeah, I've had three crashes. One, one, the first time was weird because I just had it paused. I was doing something else on the computer and I looked up and said it was on the, it was on the, um, the Xbox home screen. It was like launch yeah, Forza Horizon 4. I'm like, does. I'm like, did I quit the game? I, 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 I couldn't remember what happened. Like, I don't remember quitting the game. So I'm like, oh, maybe it was a crash. And then I get crashed, it's qu crashed two other times both of them during the results screen of a race, which meant I had to redo the race. Oh, that sucks. Which is annoying because one of them was a really irritating showcase. And you had got through um, it. I'd finished it, but like then, <laughs> but then it crashed right as it was it was adding up my oh, XP, that, and I had to tough. I had to do it again. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's been pretty stable. Um, I do like that if you if you uh, go idle for a while, it boots you out of the online, and then when you pick it back up, it jumps you back into another online session. Yeah. Um, it's it's all pretty smooth, like. Uh, I think all it's, the problems I had with crashing was due to the network. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, that's definitely going to be the thing that introduces instability. Um, I know some people have been irritated that they can't do a, pri a private session, but like I don't find the fact that the other players can't hit you basically means it's a non-issue to me. Yeah, like, I, I, I just ignore them for the most part. Sometimes people drive up and like honk and like you know like try to do like donuts in front of you and stuff, and I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, it, I, but I've done some of the Forza-thon uh, Those are stuff, fun. And, like, all the co-op like stuff is fun. Like, it's, it's a good way to get people, you know, they've been trying for, like, two games to try to figure out a way to make people want to play together. Yeah. Aside from, like, just sort of co-op or, or competing with your friends. And I think, I think the Forza-thon in this one, like, did it. 
Yeah, I, I think that's they they hit the they hit the formula finally. So just so you so people know that maybe didn't watch last yeah. week or didn't read the game about Forzathons happen at the top of every hour, mm-hmm. and you get an alert. It says, "Hey, Forzathons happening. Go here." An icon yeah. will pop up on the map, Th- and you go there. Think of it like a public event in Destiny Two. Yeah, it's like that, but for cars. It's that's a great way to describe it. Yeah, and you show up, and and so. When I was playing it in the really early stages, when it was just the press, before people had got mm-hmm. like early copies of it, like I couldn't even test a lot of that stuff. And when I did, it seemed like there were like ten people on each server. And then as the week went on, like I showed up for like my third Forzathon, and there was like fifty cards there. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would say about the Forzathon is it does not scale well. They they need to adjust how it scales depending on how many people are competing. Mm. Because if you have a ton of people, literally, there were times where in their multi-stage. So um, the first stage may be here's this jump. Uh, between all of you, you need to reach X amount of distance on mm. your jumps, and so you all take turns going off the jump, and it adds it all up and, and it accumulates it, and then you have to hit that total. Well, there were some times when I was playing with like 50 people where by the time you would get to where the jump is, they'd already finished it. Mm-hmm. And you're already racing on to the next point. Um, and so I think that's something that they can tweak. But again, it's a tweak. It's just a, it's just mm-hmm. a number that they need to adjust to yeah, get I've, it where it I needs to be. I found that got a lot better once, because you can buy different houses yeah. in the game. And I bought the one that lets you fast travel anywhere. Oh, that's nice. Because um, that is a huge pain in the butt in yeah, this game. Like, because you'll get a, a notification that says Forzathon is happening and you have 30 seconds to like get over here or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes I just wouldn't make it in time. But I, I did all the bonus boards to make fast travel free, and then I bought the house that lets you fast travel anywhere on any road on the map. And now I can just drop myself right into where the Forzathon is every time. Oh, that's and, I didn't even uh, know that there was a house that gave you that. Yeah, one of the houses I can't. It's like in the middle, sort of, sort of the northeast middle of the map. And you'll, if you highlight it on the map, it says perk free fast travel or fast travel any, fast travel anywhere. The houses are um, so damned expensive. Like once I had a, like a Mar, couple yeah. of them, I was just like, it's I don't care. Like I just didn't get any more. I got my like my friend Miguel is sitting there. Like, Texts me yesterday and is like, say he's saving. She's like just grinding races to save up for the ten million dollar castle. Um, and I'm like, isn't the castle fifteen million? And he's like, no, it's ten million. And like later he texts me, he's like, okay, we were talking about two different castles. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, castles. We're up to up to freaking here with them. Yeah. So there's a ten million dollar castle on the east coast of the map, and there's a fifteen million dollar Edinburgh castle. Edinburgh castle is, is uh, fifteen million. Oh, in the I, of the I city. saw that almost as soon as I started playing. I was like, well, how am I ever going to be able to afford that thing? Like, I don't know. Well, I've, I have made uh, according to a little stat thing that you did pops up in the load screens. I have made four point five million credits just playing. Yeah, I mean, so I've made you'll way get more there. than that, but I, mean, I would never take that much money and just spend it on. Well, you get so many super wheel spins for that, though. That's, <laughs> that's the temptation. For it is, it. yeah. They're really good about putting you on the putting you on the treadmill and filling this bar up and that bar up and oh you get to spin a thing and you win a thing and you win a pair of shoes and you like I mean he's like they're they're very good about like dangling just as, just enough carrots in front of you to like keep you playing uh, and it doesn't help doesn't hurt that it's uh, one of the best looking games I've ever played and uh, it's just fun it's just fun to control and like. Um, I like the thing. One of the things that the other game, the previous games had that I thought was a, a bit of a weakness was uh, you, you had the bonus boards where you smash these boards and and you get and they used to be you'd smash the, some of the boards were for fast travel. You got them all. The fast travel became free. Some of them were just XP, so you just leveled up by hitting the boards. And some of them were um, garage boards. So if you if you smashed all the boards, they gave you discount on parts and upgrading the cars. And if you smashed all the boards, 
upgrades for for your car became free. Yeah. Now that's gone in this. You have to pay to upgrade the cars if you want to upgrade a car and like jump jump. And I think that's better because as soon as I would get the free upgrades, none of it mattered to me anymore. Like it was, it all just felt like going through motions. Right, right. And now I have to think about which car I want to upgrade. I have to like decide, is this what I want to spend my money on this one? Is that, is this going to be a good choice? Do I have a good tuning set up for that? Like, um, like the, the performance of the cars and making decisions about that has become more meaningful as a result of getting rid of the free upgrading. And I think that's a good move. I think I, I, that, that has, has caused me to have put more thought into the tuning and also um, develop more of an attachment to the various cars. And the, and the other thing they did with that that I, that I like a lot is instead of a general perk tree that they did in the last one, they had like perks for, for performance and they had perks for the festival. It was like two different trees. Well, the now, festival's like completely Yeah, now gone. it's completely different. Thank yeah, God. There's like one Last game you were thing. upgrading the festival. Right, you're still... <laughs> establishing new tents like 40 hours in the game so absurd but in this one like all the perk upgrades are per car yeah so you get to throw your your points into whatever cars you like best each car has a different grid of upgrades it's like the final final fantasy 10 sphere grid they get like kind of a a set number of upgrades you can upgrade them all and i've done a few of those few cars that i like the best like that and and it works out pretty well so it gives you a good good better feeling of ownership over things, uh, I enjoy dressing like an idiot and picking the most obnoxious dances for my my, uh, my avatar. <laughs> so when my friends are playing and I show up in their grids, they have to watch that happen. Yeah, some people sent um, me some images. Like my character's in a chicken suit, and, yeah. and the reason I really went goofy with my character in this game is because there are these parts of the game where you discover like a landmark, mm-hmm. and yeah, then it shows and you, and this cinema of your character like at this landmark, and it's like this ancient castle or whatever, and I'm doing like the running man. Or yeah. It's just so absurd. And uh, yeah, I got into that. I never make my characters goofy in video games, but I absolutely did mm-hmm. it in this one. My mind has, she's like, because I, I was unsettled by the fact that the game kept calling me by my name. Yeah, Matt, so, welcome back, hey, Matt. Matt. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so now I'm a pink-haired woman named Tatiana. That's <laughs> uh, much better. Yeah. And um, so I put her in like this, like a, it's like a shiny, shiny tuxedo and gold leggings and galaxy shoes and a big top hat and green shades and like a like a like a cherry plaid uh shirt and she does like this like like the the jog dance and so like that's that's what she's doing on on all the landmarks and when i was doing that my girlfriend came down to get something out of the kitchen and saw that she's like but why (laughs) why are you doing that you have to play it to understand i think i'm like it's just it's just what we do what one criticism i do have of the game maybe it's not even a criticism and i didn't mention it on the show last week and i didn't mention in the game eval was Ultimately, I think the seasons, for me personally, kept me from experimenting as much with cars. Because there are certain cars in the game that are just pretty much worthless during certain seasons. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I mentioned this in the comments, like, I got a WRX, and I just maxed it out. And I ended up using that car through almost the whole game. Mm-hmm. Because it's, once you get, I mean, <coughs> one thing I love about this game is that once you get really used to a car you feel like you just have total command over that car. Like, literally, with the, my WRX all tricked out, boosted out to the extent, I can literally just power slide, like, in between two cars around turns. Like, I got so good with that car. And because it works on dirt, ice, wet, tarmac, like, my WRX, its top speed is, like, 208 miles an hour. It's like, I, I found very little reason for 
working i bought cars still but i hardly ever drove mm -hmm. them because it's like i would get in them and i'd be like oh i'm struggling to get first place i if i my wrx i would have finished like 10 seconds ahead of anybody else and i just found myself constantly going back to that same car and, and using it over and over again yeah well you i mean i have my favorite cars like three or four cars that i prefer to drive open world with and stuff but like you know if you're doing like the the seasonal events like those all require a specific kind of car to sometimes the event um, I did not enjoy having to drive the open off-road buggies constantly. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they force you to change it up here and there. Um, I, don't, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad thing if you find a car that you like and fits your style and you can keep it upgraded properly to be competitive. Like, that's the whole point of the game. It, it wasn't even that it fit my style of drive, which it did, but it was that it fit every terrain. Yeah, well, I mean, the WRX is no joke. It is no I mean, joke. I mean, they're that's great a, that's cars. That's an amazing car. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, before I bought my car, that was the car that I was mm -hmm. waffling between before I bought the one I have. So. I mean, uh, I mean, but it depends. Like, you can make almost anything uh, pretty competitive given the right tuning setup. You like got to work harder for it, though. Yeah, but I have a. T I had. I downloaded a tuning setup for because uh, one of the, one of the Forzathon. Uh, this one of the summer challenges uh, is basically to do a whole bunch of stuff in in a retro hot hatch. Because <laughs> um, they, they they make basically they make oh but get it there's like weekly challenges and like you get Forzathon points and the tr the trick is that the way the, the the advantage of doing the Forzathon stuff is that you get Forzathon Forzathon points yeah it's it's a separate and, currency and that you can use to buy stuff in the Forzathon store which changes up each every five days or when yeah. when the season changes it changes yeah uh, and the trick is that that's where, yeah that's there. where they sell stuff that normally you could only get through wheel spins yep. through the random spins. Yeah. So if you specifically want something, that's a good way to kind of save up some points and, and buy it specifically without having to uh, rely on luck. Um, and so, you know, I was doing that. So, so so the weekly challenge, like this week at least, was get in a retro hot hatch car and drive it. Okay, that's part one. Part two, uh, get in a retro hot hatch car and get 25 ultimate speed bonuses. That is harder because the, the, the to get ultimate speed, you have to break 200 miles an hour. In a hot and, hatch, and like the hot hatches go about 160, <laughs> right. right? So I yeah. ended up I ended up downloading a tuning for uh, for a, a Volkswagen Golf that could take it to 210. Wow! And and then I would the, not want to go 210 miles an hour in a Volkswagen Golf. I mean, it didn't it didn't it wasn't the smoothest move in the world. I mean, I, I, it was one of those things where like, I'm just going to floor it down the straight straightaway of freeway and rack up three or four ultimate speeds until I hit a curve and I'm just going to fly right. into, yeah. into, <laughs> to into oblivion. Yeah. Um, but like then the, the thing after that was win three street races. Uh, like the, cause there's this, there's the races that are like, you know, supposedly unauthorized right. by Horizon. They're yeah. like, they're like, they're like, the yeah, they're fast, telling you like, don't tell her about yeah, this race. Like the Fast and the Furious, like, yeah. like nighttime races and stuff. Like they don't have the official signage. They just have flares right. marking them. It's yeah. like, yeah, cause we're that, we're, we're edgy, dude. We're underground. Um, but like, uh, so it's like, okay, win, win three of those with a hot, with a retro hot hatch. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use my crazy tricked out thing. And so I'm racing against like, Full level like Dodge Vipers, like supercars, like, supercars, and I'm winning with this car. <laughs> I mean, it's I got to be real careful about the turns because it doesn't That's stick great. very well. Yeah. But like I did it, like it was you yeah. know it was, I was like I'm just gonna see if I can do this because the other option is to pick one of my unmodified retro hot hatches. It's like a D class or a C class and race against normal street cars. Right, right. But I'm like I'm just gonna see if this works, and it wasn't easy, but I did do it, and I thought that was pretty fun. That was cool. The other reason um, I ended up sticking with the WRX for so long was because. 
also in multiplayer, you don't really know what you're going to get until right. you get into it. You definitely want like, an all-round. All right, and the of... first one I got into, it was a snow race, and I had a supercar. Mm-hmm. You want to do something frustrating, try to navigate snow yeah. with a Lamborghini. It's, you can't even hit the gas because it just breaks free. It's, yep. I mean, again, it's like, you know, a lot of, I, I, I myself call this an arcade-style racer, but really... This game has a lot of sim elements to yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, the Horizons have always been a decent hybrid. It's the perfect yeah. middle ground, absolutely, between those two styles of racing games. And it just it just nails it. Like, mm-hmm. the game is just fun. Yep. There are, I don't think there are enough video games that are just unbridled fun anymore. And it was very refreshing to play one that was that way. And not only that, one that is big and, and lasts as long as this mm-hmm. one does. So And it also, I'm, I think they managed to incorporate all the kind of uh, the community features and the online stuff and the for- all that stuff I feel like is blended in without being obnoxious. Yep. Which is not only hard to do, but also kind of the first time they've even pulled it off in this series. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Because this franchise has been obnoxious in the past. Yeah. And I do not find this game like offensive or obnoxious like it has been before. No, the only offensive thing is how bad the character models are. Yeah. Which don't match that, the rest of the game. No. It's really it's, weird. I, I, I know that it's like probably the 4,330 second most important thing on their list of stuff right. to do. Yeah. But like it's very jarring to see like that yeah. dude, that guy walking around like, like a, a robot. Like well, a it's like, look, character. if you're gonna make story and cinematics a bigger part of the game, then you need to put more focus into it and yeah. concentrate on it more. Hey, it's a it's a way for the game to improve for the next one. Yep. Which will probably be, you know, God knows it'll be on the next probably Xbox. on the next hardware. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Two years from now. How good is that gonna look? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty darn good. So Ultimately, would you say my game eval was on point? It was... Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, what else can you say? It's amazing. I love this game. I don't... I mean, really, the winning strategy here is to just get Xbox Game Pass for a month. Yeah, that's true. Pay 10 bucks. I mean, the game is gigantic, but I guarantee you'll get through it yeah. in a month. I mean, I don't have a problem uh, paying for this game. No, no. It's, I mean, way, it's way worth 60 bucks. Sure. But man, if you can only spend $10 sure. and experience this... That is awesome. I don't know how Microsoft thinks it. I mean, it, somehow they just going to make up they, the money they want Xbox, Xbox Live. They want Xboxes in homes. That's why. Yeah. Like they, you know, they, they, they're... They can make money off people renting movies. Sort of cutting their losses and, a little bit here. Yeah. But... There's no microtransactions? No. No. It's all legit. I mean, wheel spins are a little shady. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's all in-game. It's no... Yeah, it, yeah. You, it's you, not like... Some goofy thing yeah. you got to pay for, like a wheel spin or anything like that. Yeah, there have been a couple times where it rolls right past the thing I want. Oh, I know, it's yeah. A stupid thing. <laughs> one of the one of the horns, one of the 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 super like the la- the rarest level horns you can get is the Inception. Oh, like, really? Like, and w- twice I've seen it roll right past <laughs> it and give me like a common pair of shoes or something. I'm There's nothing like, worse when you get one of the super wheel spins where you win three things with each spin and you get like all clothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Or you get like. Like it's like it's like I got a hat and like five thousand credits, right? And like, <laughs> and and like a like a van, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I, a, a car. If I ever get a car to spin, I'm cool. I'm like even if I get one car, and I would agree with you too. One of the one of my other criticisms, I did mention this in the game eval, is that I don't think the game does a good enough job of making you use the more goofy, quirky cars. Mm-hmm. Um, I never was in a race with like one like that weird three wheeled thing, like. I did use that once. Did you? Uh, in the open world, I found a, a bonus board in like a little alleyway, and I couldn't fit, so I, I picked I, that and like rolled in there right and in rolled there. back out. <laughs> yeah. 
Which I, I think they do that on purpose. I think that yeah. they put it there so they would force you to change cars and go in and get it. But I wish there was, because the few times you do use something besides a high-performance car, the game is still really fun, and it's but it's different. Mm -hmm. Like just there's a couple races where I use muscle cars or whatever, and like the first race is a disaster because you're still driving it like mm -hmm. your other cars. But you start like by the last lap, you start to figure it out. You try it the second time and you get it dialed in. Like I wish there was a little bit more of that in the game, but otherwise, I mean, it's really like a peerless experience. It's mm -hmm. um, it, it's amazing, and we're sixty dollars, and if you can get Xbox Game Pass for ten dollars, then man, it's like the deal of the century. So. Um, I think both of us would recommend everybody buy this oh, that yeah. can. And it's it's not just an Xbox game. You can play it on PC as well. And it's cross-play. You can play it on both. And it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good port. Um, like, the, the the last Forza Horizon had a lot of problems on PC at launch. Uh, a lot of, of save synchroni synchronization issues and stuttering. And there was, like, a micro-stutter in it, I think. And, like, there's nothing like that in this one. Like, it, it's... It all... If you have the power to run it, it looks really good. And, oh, the... The graphical options, it might be the most graphical options and tweaking ability in in-game menus that I've ever seen in a video game. In, For the PC game. version? The PC or? version. Okay. It's, it's, if you can think of a graphical setting, you can play with it in the menus. Like It is, it is the most thorough gra set graphical settings options I think I've ever seen. I actually game. never even played it on my PC. I just stuck with uh, Xbox. It's, it's good. And it's, it's surprisingly scalable. I, I, even, you know, I mean, it's not like my PC's weak or anything, but, it, you know, the, the Titan X's can't do all the modern stuff anymore. But you can still, you know, pretty close to you know, ultra or, 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 you know, very high level specs, you can, you can get almost 120 frames out of it. Wow. It's, so it's pretty uh, well optimized. And they then. show you, like, this is... You know, there's a, th a layout thing that says, like, this is how many frames you're getting like this. This is how many frames you're getting from the GPU, from the CPU. This is how many frames, you know, it tests at. This is how many frames you'll get under load. I mean, it, it, it the, 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 the telemetry you get out of this thing's graphical options is incredible. So, well done there, Playground Games. Like, Smart people at, people wanted, you know, people on PC want, like, you know, graphical settings and, and, and data, and this game gives it to you, like, in a way that you'd normally have to download a separate app for. Like, yeah. it's really impressive. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb right now and say driving game of the year. <laughs> I can't think of any other driving that's coming out before the yeah. end of the year. <laughs> that's a table of one, yeah. to some degree. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways. Wait, yeah. GT Sport came out this year, didn't it? Or was that last year? I don't know. I don't either. It was, it's forgettable. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. There, I mean, there was a lot of there have been a lot of quirky, kind of innovative indie driving games this year. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the big dog, and it's yeah, it's gonna win racing game of the year. I think. Yeah, it's not even really a contest. It's not even really a category yeah. anymore. That's why I said I'm going out on a limb. Does anyone even make? I mean. It's it's a it's a moderately dead genre. Yeah, point. I mentioned it in the game of Al about how driving games have just kind of gone away. Particularly yeah. games like this, for whatever reason, The Sims they just keep shoveling them out and they never sell very mm. well. But games like this have just kind of gone away. Yeah. It's really weird. You remember uh, <laughs> you remember back when like Gran Turismo was a system seller? Yeah, yeah. PlayStation Two. It sold like yep. seventeen million. Is that right? I think I don't. I just pulled this out of my head, but I believe that the bundle for Gran Turismo for the PS2 sold 17 million units. Maybe. Somewhere like... in my brain, that figure Man, I didn't is... even like Gran Turismo, but that's the bundle I bought yeah, to get my PS2. Yeah, a lot of people did. Yeah. Like... Not anymore. Not so much. <laughs> it didn't really change. No, well, also, it took so long between... I think yeah. that's one of those... 
I mean, there's a lot of Forzas out there, and I, I you know, they, the, the sim side, you know, motorsport is similar enough every time that I didn't feel the need to get seven. Yeah. Like, I just, because I, I never finished six to any great degree, and I'm just like, well, what do I need another racing sim that I'm never going to, you know, really make more than a dent in? But the Horizon games, I, pl- I drive them into the ground. Like it's, yeah, I, I play them until I just run out of stuff to do. Yep. Yeah. I played Forza Motorsport 7 for probably. 10 hours, something like that. Yeah. It's just so dry and boring. I mean, it's gorgeous. Which is funny because it's like, it's the not dry and boring one compared, compared to Gran to Turismo. GT. Um, <laughs> which that was like yeah. the big thing was Forza, you know, Forza 3 and 4 were big in, in comparison to the GTs because like Forza 3 and 4 really kind of captured the whole like love of cars and love, you know, they, they had the Top Gear guys doing like narration and like it just, you know, they, they presented it more as like as like a car fantasy. Yeah. Whereas like Gran Turismo was just like, here is a menu. Yeah. Here is a white menu. That steering wheel sure does look yeah, accurate. Look at your car. <laughs> Here's your photo mode. Remember photo mode was like this big deal. Yeah. At E3, they had like these printers in the booth. A developer in Tokyo slept under his desk for four weeks to make this Honda, you know, it's yeah, just like, it's yeah. like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of effort and time, but like, there's more heart in the Forza games. Oh, absolutely. Not even close. So there you go. Driving game of the year, Forza Horizon 4. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Soul Calibur 6. Some of you may not have realized this, although if you're a sifter and you're sifted, you, you probably, you did, you did we did. Why, well, you told me about it. You texted me about it. That's the only reason I even knew about it. Yeah, so there was a demo for Soul Calibur VI up on, supposed to be up on PS4 and Xbox One over the weekend. Um, I could never find the PS4 version of the demo. Never could find it. I, I don't know where they had it hidden, so I ended up playing the Xbox One version of Soul Calibur VI. And just to preface this discussion, I'm a big Soul Calibur fan. I've been playing it before it was ever on the Dreamcast. I played it in the arcades played Soul Edge. I've spent tons of money playing Soul Edge in the arcade. I've loved this franchise for a really, really long time. Um, I like it because it's a little bit different. It's generally weapons-based, which kind kind of sets it apart from other fighting games. Other fighting games will have characters with weapons, but pretty much every character in Soul Calibur has it, has a weapon. And to me, that kind of sets it apart. Another thing I've always loved about Soul Calibur is there was a great rhythm to the combat. I'm learning like the timing of how long it takes for like Ivy's like chain sword to un- unfurl and then strike and then recoil. Once you kind of mastered that stuff, you would get into the rhythm in this game. And uh, so I was very excited to download the demo of this. And the demo, I think it had like 11 playable characters, which I was surprised at. That's a lot. Uh, a few different stages that you could play on, and it was all online. You could not play offline. So you're just playing against other people online. And uh, I, I have to say that I have not been more disappointed in a video game in a really, really long time. Mm. This, this game, to me, based upon what I played this weekend, is bad. Not, like, disappointing because I'm a fan. Not, like, not up to par with prior games in the franchise. It's just bad. So remember we were talking after E3, and I said I never got a chance to play it, but I watched other people play it while I was waiting. Mm-hmm. And I kept noticing how the game kept pausing. And then you had said that you saw some high-level people play it and that you didn't really see that. Well, playing this game online, it just happens constantly. And maybe part of it is that none of us were all that great at it yet, so we were just triggering it over and over again. But the whole experience just felt so disjointed. So you clash, and then everything goes into slow motion. 
and you have this like period of time where you fight each other in slow motion and then eventually it comes back and you go up to real speed. I have no idea why I thought this was a good idea. The last thing I want to do in a fighting game is for it to go in slow motion hmm. and have two people trying to fight each other at like 120th the speed of the game. The, the, the audio in this game is terrible. The impact, the sounds of impact that you get from attacks landing are just completely like non-existent. Like you can barely hear them. Like, I don't know. I'm really disappointed in this game. Um, after I had counted on playing it through most of the weekend in between bouts of Assassin's Creed. And I played one session. I got like 20 games in. Went back and played like five more rounds and didn't want to play it anymore. I ended up playing ultimately like 25 matches before I just gave up. Uh, Connection-wise, I will say that it was a network test, so they're testing their servers. It seemed good. Like I didn't have any lag or stuttering or anything like that. The matchmaking was fast and pretty accurate. So that part of it was okay. But the oh, graphically too. Like, I, again, I was playing the Xbox One version, which I'm hoping it looks worse than other than the other versions because the Xbox One version looks absolutely terrible. Like, Ivy's boob mm -hmm. was like a cube. Well, there's um, they're using Soul Calibur V assets for a lot of this. It, this game feels like a really quick and dirty, quick and dirty production. Oh, the, um, the, you can see even here, the stages in this game are complete garbage. Look at this. Compare this to the game, the other fighting games that we're playing in 2018. It's, everything it's was... It's got depth of field. Pixelated, the textures were blurry. There was like aliasing in the game. The Xbox One version of this game just looked bad. Bad, bad. Um, I don't know. It feels to me like they're rushing this game out. It didn't feel like it was finished. It felt like I was playing like an alpha or something, and like mm -hmm. none of this stuff had been polished up. I'm obviously it's in beta at least at this point. It's coming out this month. Um, I don't know, man. I uh, as a Soul Calibur fan, I was really, really disappointed. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't too impressed at E3. I mean, I, I, I thought I thought they had a pretty good design for how Geralt played. Um, I'll probably still get it because it's The Witcher. Uh, he, the, look, the Witcher he does element. fit into the game, which is... Yeah, which is more you can say from a lot, for a lot of their guest characters. No, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed by what I played at E3. I didn't get to play this because by the time I found it on, on the PlayStation Store, uh, the, the test period was over. Um, at least you found it. I couldn't even yeah, find it. Yeah, it. it was in there. It, was, <laughs> it, it didn't come up. You had to search uh, a very specific... Probably to search like network test or whatever. Sort of, yeah, because like because if you just search Soul Calibur, you got you got the pre-order stuff, and then it just like listed other shit. Like it was it was not even Soul Calibur stuff. It was just stuff with Soul in the name. Yeah. And if you I like, put the whole Soul Calibur thing in the whole name, if you put it in as two words, you didn't get anything for the network test. You put it in as one word, you did. Um, but it didn't show up the first time when you mentioned it. But I'm like, oh, I'll go, I'll go look, and it wasn't there. And then the second time it was there. And I went to download it and said, oh, it ended yesterday. So I was like, okay, well, I guess It was not. only two days. Yeah. It lasted uh, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, I played it a good bit on Saturday, and on Sunday I went back, and I only got a few matches in, and I was like, I'm over this. I don't really have any interest in continuing to play it. So I'd be interested to hear if any of you guys jumped into the beta, and maybe you had a different experience than I did, but I really thought that this game, for lack of a better term, was just ass. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, just across the board. The fighting wasn't good. The graphics weren't good. Um, other than the lack of latency, I don't have really anything good to say about it, which is really sad. Um, it just feels like a cash-in to me. It feels like they looked at their schedule and they were like, hey, we haven't put out a Soul Calibur for a long time. We have this gap in Q4 2018. How quick can we whip something up? Mm -hmm. It just... I don't see any reason to buy this game if you already have a Soul Calibur game. Maybe that's the best way to put it. There's no, I mean, other than the new feature that I hate, what you're seeing right now is like the slowing down mechanic. I just found very little reason that this game should exist. It's like, if you're not going to improve a franchise, then don't make another one. Seems like Namco uh, agrees, considering how little effort they're putting into it. Yeah, um... I don't know. I'm really disappointed. And like this, like three weeks away from release, it's not like they can pull it up by its bootstraps and get it where it needs to go. So I don't know, folks. It could be we could be seeing the death of Soul Calibur. That's what we could be seeing. Yeah, it'll just it'll go dormant for a while and maybe come back in four or five years. Like a long like, break. Yeah. When people will get over like the stench of. Or like life. when they're ready to actually you know make some new models and make some modern assets, maybe next gen. We'll get something worthwhile. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have watched uh, Ugh, Do Dossier, the, the games of October. A great month, and if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's going to be a great month of video games. But if you watch that and you were saying to yourself, man, so many great games this month, how am I going to figure out how to spend my money? Scratch this game off your list. Because hmm. I guarantee that by the end of the year, you'll be able to buy this game for $30. Guaranteed. So if you're a diehard Soul Calibur fan... You're like, well, I'm not going to not buy it. I'm going to buy this because I feel like I should or I want to. Wait. Wait for the price to drop. Because uh, another yeah, thing I'll tell like you... this seems like a pretty pretty likely Black Friday sale candidate. To yep. Because you know the retailers are going to order a ton of it. Yeah. They're going to order a bunch of them. They're going to be like, it's Soul Calibur. It always sells. And then the reviews are going to come out. And it's going to tank. And they're going to be... They're going to have all these copies to offload. And you're going to win because of that. So... This is what the that Target buy two get one free sale is for. <laughs> yeah, or the old Toys R Us sales. Rest in peace. Yeah, well, well that was a thing today uh, that they're 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 the investors uh, on the Toys R Us brand are, are bringing it back somehow. They canceled their auction to sell really? off all their all their uh, their IP and asset stuff. Really? So uh, they're saying no, we got We got a, a plan to, to to maneuver around this and and bring it back as a as a for, in some form. That's a lot of debt to somehow pay off. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, cause, I mean that's what really killed them. They got so far in debt that the interest on the debt well, was more than what they were generating. Well, no, what happened was, um, this, there's a lot of misinformation around this. What happened was they were saddled with that debt by the by Bain Capital and the other and people, other companies that bought them right. in the early 2000s because it was called, it's called a leveraged buyout where they basically, they, they, drove themselves, they drove the purchase down, I think it was $8 billion into debt, and then they, they piled that on the company and Bain Capital, Mitt Romney's company and a bunch of other guys, uh, all come away getting their money, and then the, the company is left to flounder. It's the exact same thing, by the way, the exact same people did to KB Toys in, really? in, at the end of the 90s. So they learned that, and they're like, can yeah. we do that again? Oh, it happens all It's called vulture capitalism. Really? It's, 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 it should probably be illegal. Yeah. And so what happened was, for a while, Toys R Us was the we had 15% of the retail brick-and-mortar toy market, and they were the number one online toy retailer by far. Like, Amazon doesn't compete. Amazon. Amazon doesn't compete. Amazon's awful at toys. 
um, and someone who collects them, it's and impossible. And somebody who tries to buy them for his nieces and nephews at the holidays, you're absolutely yeah, right. they're terrible. They I end up going to stores, brick yep. and mortar stores, to get their toys. So Toys R Us was doing pretty much as well as they could be expected. They had actually paid down the debt from $8 billion to five. Um by the time this all came, but what happened was interest rates went up, right? Um, because of the economy so great, yeah. And uh, as soon as that went up, their payments on the month just they couldn't keep up anymore. Yeah. And that's what happened. I was saying. Right. Is it like eventually the? But but the like the ever, people like to paint it as like oh Toys R Us couldn't survive in a modern world or right. Toys R Us couldn't readjust to like it's like no to they they, they were doing fine it. they were doing as well as they could possibly do. And would have, and under almost any other financial situation, would have been doing great. Yeah. But they had, they were saddled with this crazy amount of debt from this terrible practice they fell victim to. Um, so I don't know. So the the current How are they investors get rid of that debt though to come back. They, I don't know. The current investors seem to have a plan because the it was supposed to have an auction this past week or maybe next week to literally to sell off the Toys R Us and Babies R Us brand names and and everything else they had basically in terms of anything that was worth anything. It was, All it was the fire sale. Yeah. It was like it was like THQ did, mm -hmm. and then Nordic Games bought all that crap. Yeah. Um, but they canceled that, saying that apparently they're the licensor has a new has a new idea. Wow, that's good so news. nobody knows what that is. It might just end up being kind of like a a brand like a storefront brand that goes in other stores. Like maybe the toy section of Walmart is now branded Toys R Us, right? Or Best Buy, like that, or that kind of like thing. That, yeah. Um, or anyone, because you know, or even like smaller places like you know, they might be talking to GameSpot, GameStop. They already do that GameStop at Best Buy. Is, GameStop like, basically alive. They have little alive. mini stores inside yeah. Best Buys now. That's a common yeah. thing. Now. You know, you see that at Walmart pretty often, which is why I, I yeah. mentioned them. But like. Um, like uh, GameStop, they're basically being kept afloat by toy sales. Yeah, they are. Um, and swag. Making yeah. some kind of deal with that would not be a completely crazy idea right now. GameStop right now is skating on thin ice, yep. people. You're talking about, you know, you want to talk about survival. Survival, yeah. They're not even in debt. I know. <laughs> like, but if it, in two years they will be, I guarantee it. Yeah. If they keep going the way they're going. They've been trying to. There will be a reckoning this coming new generation. Yeah. I think they're going to, they're either going to be able to reinvent their business model or they're going to go away. Or if you watch the new Pactor Factor, what he talks about, about how, you know, the way streaming is going to work, you're going to be able to just like load up a fire stick or whatever. It's like, you know, that will crush GameStop. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, Profit margins on hardware aren't great, but what it does is it acts as a Trojan horse to get people in your stores yeah. to buy games while they're in there or to buy all that stupid mm -hmm. swag that they have. And I mean, they're kind of turning into like a Spencer's or like yep. a Hot Topic in a lot of yep. ways. They're like a boutique special interests place yeah. for the topic for they the used geeks. to sell. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, like, it's like they don't even sell the product anymore. They sell products about the product. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yep. So anyway, back to it. Soul Calibur 6, I did not enjoy it. I hope maybe some of you guys did. I'd love to hear some positive stories. I'd love for you to tell me why I'm wrong, because you played it and maybe I missed something. That'd be great, but at, based upon what I played of it this weekend, stay far, far. Well, I didn't play the, the, the network test, obviously, but what you're saying pretty much lines up with what I played at E3. So Yeah, there you go. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that you're not supposed to know about. Do you know about it, Matt? Did you see the news? Well, I saw the I saw the video. Oh, okay. I, I, I texted some people people late last night. I got some Harry Potter fans that needed to know about that, and, yeah. they, and they woke up very excited. Did they? Uh, so anyway, somebody was in a focus group, focus testing group, and they showed a trailer for a Harry Potter video game, 
and he or she recorded it with this cell phone. And it actually broke last night, mm-hmm. like overnight. Was late it late? last night. Late it was like, last like 11, night. 11 our time or so, around there. And you're seeing it right now. You will not be able to find this video on YouTube because they, uh, they Warner Brothers has issued takedowns for this video. So to hook up you guys today, we put it up in our player because I knew if we uploaded it to YouTube that mm-hmm. it would just get taken down. So we actually put it in our player for you guys today. Uh, and if you're watching the show and you want to see it later on, you can go to Sifted and you can check it out. But here we are showing it on Game Face, which probably means that this show will probably get flagged by Warner Brothers whenever it goes up on YouTube. But uh, it is an open world action RPG set in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, initial word is PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, which I don't know about that. Uh, it, even based on this, I don't know that this is going to... The switch yeah. can pull this off. You scale it enough and drop the res enough, you probably get it to work somehow. Maybe I, I don't know. It, it seems it, it seems beyond the the pale of an Nintendo. Yeah, or maybe switch. there's a, maybe you know Wii style. Maybe there's a uh, specifically made for Switch version that's. Or they less, do a cloud version like they did with RE7 and Assassin's yeah, I th- Creed. I think we we have no evidence that that could work in outside of Japan at this yeah. point. Yeah, no, you're right. But um. I could see them doing like a Wii version, like a like a, a, a stripped down version of it for the Switch, because it would be it'd be pretty stupid to leave the Switch out of a Harry Potter. It release. absolutely would be. I mean, that is the audience. It's a for huge, a huge game audience like of children and family oriented. Like you, you don't want to leave that off the Switch. So I'm sure they'll come up with something. Even if they got to drop the drop the settings down to potato quality and throw it on the Switch and call it a day. <laughs> So, Matt, what do you think of this game now that we've got kind of a look at it? Obviously, that video quality is not mm-hmm. great, but you can pretty much see what the game oh, is yeah. about. You can see the characters or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the fact that it doesn't have like a lot of the biggest characters in it? Um, fine. I mean, this, this I is... Mean, I don't even see Harry Potter in this trailer, do this you? This is before that. This is it's like a prequel. To yeah, this is set in the in the, uh, the Fantastic Beasts era around there, I think. Um, judging by the suit styles, anyway, um, I think that's fine. First, I mean, because basically, it's um, you know, you got to focus on the current the current thing, which is the 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 Fantastic Beasts series. There's going to be four more damn movies of that thing. So, I have um, not enjoyed those films. Eh, it's not for us. Um, you know, this this game and this the extension of the franchise is for the people who you know, remember. If you were ten years old when Harry Potter started, you're thirty now. Yeah. yeah so that's like, true. it's just, this is for them, and uh, this is really the game. You know, this is the game that they should have made years a ago. A long time it's ago. Like, you know, yeah. It's an open world action RPG. You're a student that goes to Hogwarts. You get to pick your you, know, you pick your house and you pick what kind of wizard you become and do all this. I mean, it's gonna it's it looks great to me. I mean, I, I love even with the, the cell idea. phone video, you can tell the game looks. Great. Yeah, you can tell there's some some real stuff going on. There was rumors uh, early on last night of it being Rocksteady. Uh, yeah, which, I, not, which turned no. out to be not that, that people were saying is Avalanche. Yeah. Um, which hey, that's fine. Yeah, they do good stuff. I have no problem with that at all. I mean, Rocksteady would have been like mind blowing though. Yeah, and all I, all I mean, I know, Rock, Rocksteady is too busy on that Suicide Squad thing. Trust yeah. me. Like, it has to be what they're doing. It's. Uh, You're making a prediction here, Kyle. I've said this before. But yeah, I think you like, said it to me off camera. I don't think you've ever said it. No, on I've game said face. it. On, I've definitely Did said you? it on game. Like, because like, when we talk about what's Rocksteady working on, and everyone thinks it's a Superman game, I think yeah. it's Suicide Squad. Because when they would have started working on it, it at the time, 
the only successful DCEU movie was Suicide Squad. Yeah, like, and it's that's just true. that's a and, good point. You know, the the only thing they've got left to cash in on is the popularity of Harley Quinn. And now they're talking about doubling down doing a Harley movie. So, like, I think Suicide Squad is where Warner Brothers thinks it's in is there. And that lets you have an ensemble cast of characters. It lets you do some DLC stuff for outfits and different things. I mean, I, I think that's what they're doing. I mean, Rocksteady, any game that Rocksteady makes, I'm going to sit up and pay sure. attention to. I'm going to sure. care. I mean, I would have loved it if this was what Would I rather it be but... something besides Suicide Squad? Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course. Absolutely. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's what I want. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that that's what I think they're doing. Yeah. Especially because that Suicide Squad game has been teased twice in the endings of Batman games. It was teased at the end of Batman uh, Arkham Origins, and it was teased at the end of Blackgate, the, the Vita game. Ah, uh. Um, they, they, they recruit uh, Deathstroke or whatever at the end of Origins and they recruit uh, two other characters who I can't even freaking remember because I don't care about that property at all at the end of Blackgate like they, they, they pull in two people two of the villains at the end of Blackgate and it's like yo you're going to be on this thing and they've just teased it enough that clearly they were hot to do it somehow so maybe Rocksteady ended up with it because everybody else that was making stuff seems to have gone off and done other things yeah um, so I would have been happy if that was them, but you know, Avalanche is a quality choice as well. Um, hopefully this is real and does not scare Warner Brothers off or something, because the three people I know who are huge Harry Potter fans that I sent this to, like, basically lost their minds. I bet. When yeah. they saw this. I mean, so big fans are okay with this prequel, that it's not yeah, they Harry and They crew. don't care about, it's, it's Harry and, in, especially in the context of this kind of thing, they don't care about Harry. They don't want to be Harry and Hermione and Ron. They want to be in the world. They want to be themselves in the world. That's the appeal. And, like, the mobile game picked up on that, too, where you create your yeah, own character right. and go through that. I mean, that's, that's the fantasy that people want from Harry Potter in, in a video game form at this point, I think. If you want to go through the adventures of Harry Potter, you've got games to do that with. That weren't very good, though. The early ones I thought were okay. They, oh, look, um, they're not terrible, and, but and the, the they're GBA, passable. And the GBA games, the, like Chamber of Secrets and uh, Chamber of Secrets, Azkaban, and Order of the Phoenix... The GBA games of those are actually really good Zelda-style uh, action RPGs. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, near the end of the series, they turned it into Gears of War, which was like... <laughs> like, the Deathly Hallows game was literally Gears of War yeah, with Harry Potter. Yeah, it was a cover-based shooter yeah, with was, a wand. I don't think that's what anyone asked for. No, nobody asked for that. Um, good work, EA. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, I mean, I'll be honest, like, if it, because it doesn't have, and I've never read the books, I've only watched the films, and because it doesn't have the cast that I'm familiar with, it definitely lessens my interest in it. I think you are a vanishingly small minority. Oh, I'm sure, compared to, like, hardcore Potter fans or whatever. I'm not a hardcore Potter fan. I like the films, I like the Mm -hmm. universe, and to me, those characters do have a draw and an appeal that would make me want to play the game a little Mm -hmm. more than I do. Well, I mean, you, you do have all the characters from, from Hogwarts. I mean, you've got uh, Dumbledore and uh, all the teachers and everyone. I mean, you just don't have the same student body. This is although the mobile of, game that Matt was talking about, by the way. Although some of them will. Like, I mean, the, uh, you know, the, the, like even, even this mobile game, you know, because the mobile game's a prequel as well. It takes place in, I think, 1983 or something like that. So, like, there's the older siblings of some of the characters you know from the books. Interesting. Um, like, the, the oldest uh, Weasley brother who becomes the dragon tamer. Like, he's, he's a couple years older than you in this and stuff. So, yeah, and that seems to be have done very well. I think, I think people want to go to Hogwarts. I don't think they care that much about being Harry. Do you think casual people feel that way, though? 
Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the hardcore Potter fans, I get it. Like, they just love the universe. They love everything. They probably read the books multiple times, and they know all these characters that people like me have never even heard of. I think but so. But the average person who will take this game from selling, you know, well to gangbusters, do you think that they feel they will feel that way, though? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think there's, there's that much attachment to... I think there's much more attachment to the world than there is to the characters, and that's why, the, that, like, that universe... Uh, the, Universal Studios Harry Potter lands are so popular, not because you get to go meet the characters, but because you get to go hang out in, in Diagon Alley and and uh, and drink a butter beer and. Oh no, you're uh, right. Get, I mean, I was just there. Get your own wand. And yeah, I was go, just I mean, there a few months ago, and it's mind blowing oh, what yeah. they've done. But you're right. I mean, you can see that the hardcore fans just love being absorbed in that world. Mm-hmm. When the Absolutely. kids, I mean, I mean the kids, the kids you, too. Yeah, the kids don't fantasize about being Harry Potter necessarily. They fantasize about going to Hogwarts and being—that's like, the whole point, right—and being a wizard essentially. Yeah. And which, because that's the fantasy, is that the owl shows up and tells you your magic when you turn eleven, and you get to go to the get on the train. You know? Right, right. It's it's uh, you know it's, it's it's the hook to get you into the story is through these characters, but the thing that I think makes it persist is the magic of of the world, which falls apart if you think about it for five minutes. But hey, that's true of any fantasy world. <laughs> no, you're I right. mean, it's like it's like how why is my favorite my favorite Star Wars game isn't any of the games where you play as Luke Skywalker. It's X Wing. Yeah. Where I jump into my own X-wing, you and know, you are and you, I, and, I and just me in an yeah. X-wing. Like that's you know, being in the world is is sort of the ultimate goal there. So I hope that uh, Fallen uh, Fallen Jedi or whatever the the, the respawn, respawn game, game is, I hope that that's a thing where you create your own Jedi character and like play through the purge and the and the the, the dark times between the two the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and try to survive in like kind of a Jedi action RPG thing like that. Basically that game but with Jedi, right? Like, like right. you know like. That's that's what I want at this point. So like, it's why the most popular uh, Star Wars game of all time is Kotor. Yeah. How do you think uh, Warner Brothers is dealing with this right now? Probably not. Th- I mean, they're probably trying to figure out who was sitting over there. I mean, you got to you <laughs> like, got to realize those focus groups aren't that big. No. I mean, and, uh, generally it's like thirty to forty people in a room. C- certainly, I would think if you go in for a Warner Brothers focus test in the future, you will be surrendering surrendering your cell phone. Absolutely. Um, but you uh, have to go through like a metal detector. I'm surprised to get in. they didn't already. I know. Do that, I mean, they should have been doing that already. A lot of, like stuff like like press screenings I go to, or like they they give you like this little like you know the, the little. Uh, uh, Faraday cage pouch, and you have to stick your phone in it, and they seal it up with a little lock. Right, you, right. Like they unlock it for you as you walk out. Yeah, like, yeah. like they're they're serious about that stuff. Um, uh, so I'm surprised that you don't have to do that in the. In I'm surprised it's leaked out. I'm so. I mean, you probably, really surprised. Whoever it is probably violated something in some NDA or something that they could, they could be nailed for. But first, you got to figure out who it was. Yeah. Well, the other problem too for Warner Brothers is. The bigger stink that it makes about it, the more obvious that it's right. real. So just by Warner Brothers putting the strikes on YouTube and having stuff taken down from YouTube, basically with them admitting, yeah, this is real. This on the, game. Yeah, or on the flip side, it could be a plan. You it mean could, it's all just a they could just be like, hey, setup? Act like you know, leak it out and see how people react, and if they react well enough, we know we should make this game. Yeah. Because, look, it's been so damn long. I mean, that could have been all CG. We never would have known. Sure. This game is so... I mean, I think that's real footage of something, like a working... like A a work in progress or a, a proof of concept thing, sure. Like, but, like... The the notion that that somehow this is all related... Because, like, think about how long it's been 
when someone could have made this game. This game is not like a, a crazy, wild, oh, no one thought of it until now. People have been wanting this game for years. Yeah. So, like, you know, clearly there's some skepticism internally somewhere saying, like, oh, I don't know if we really want to do this. Or, like, we haven't come up with the right microtransaction plan for it. You know, we want to we want to make Hogwarts the game-as-a-service model kind of thing. You know, this could be kind of a, a, a testing of the waters. It's interesting, too, to see a game like this announced really at the end of a generation. Yeah. But the way generations work now, I mean, it'll probably play on... Be compatible for Yeah, it'll both work on both game. anyway. So I guess it doesn't really matter anymore. The way things are working now, it's like you're basically just buying a PC, so... Yeah. I mean, look, it, you know, and you could be working off uh, kind of the success of the mobile game. It says if you want to really make this kind of thing a platform, what you do is you release it and it's year one. And it's a full-fledged game, Interesting. but it's year one. Right. And if you want to keep playing, you don't buy part two separately you buy the expansion pack that puts year one into your hogwarts game dude people would year two suck this it. game up oh, yeah. for year and that gives after you, year and that's what that's seven years that's yeah. automatically seven <laughs> years of expansion that's a whole generation and more it is if yeah. you do one per year absolutely yeah you're smart. welcome warner brothers i'm sure they've already thought of it then why isn't it here well it is coming apparently should have been here years ago. No, I agree. So I mean, there's ago. no reason. To, I mean, when if you hold that IP, have you been sitting on that IP and just making mobile games? Making mobile games and Lego shit. Yeah, what the hell? They need to hire us. I mean, part of, on that place. I mean, part of it is because Harry Potter sort of dorm, went dormant a little bit for a while until Fantastic Beasts sort of. And like, you know, Rowling is is very uh, active right now in fleshing out the universe further. So maybe like part of it is that like the, you know you, if you wanted to do this as a prequel like you, you can't really set it during the events of the Harry Potter books because then you're in the you're you're stuck with the fact that the only interesting things happening are things your character can't be part of. Right. So you got to put it somewhere else. What happens has to happen. Right. Yeah. So you got to put it somewhere else. And you can either put it now cuz like because the Harry Potter books take place in the 90s, in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was anyway. He's 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 like our, he's like my age. I thought they were set in real time no. with when they were released. No, no. He starts he starts at Hogwarts in I want to say 1991. Like he's about my, he's like two years younger than me. Like okay. there's, a, there's a he's born in like 78 or 79 I think. And the, the parents are killed in like 80 1980 or 1981. There's a whole thing. I'm sure it, there it's, is. There's a whole timeline. <laughs> I'm sure you don't get is. a real sense of it in the books because there's nothing that really marks anything as, as the as a, a, a particular era, a particular particular year. In the movies but, they do that. But she, had, yeah, that and, and and Rowling established that there's a timeline. This birthday is this day on this year, and da, da, da. so yeah, the the there is an actual timeline. I think the I think the books the big finale is like ninety seven or ninety eight, and then uh, I think we're coming up. We're actually then Y two K happened. Well, we're actually we're actually coming up on the I think it's, I think it's the next year next year a couple of years we're coming up on the actual year the epilogue takes place oh where he's where they're older and they're sending their kids to Hogwarts right, at the right. end of the last book yeah. like that happens like next year or interesting something. like it's it's uh, there's gonna be a celebration for that I'm sure so what do you think is gonna happen do you think now in the next like month. Like Warner Brothers will just release like the official clean trailer. No, or do you I think we're not going to hear from this until like next E3. I think Jeff Keighley might have just gotten another exclusive. Yeah, yeah. For and we'll talk for the a game little bit a little bit about how Jeff has been hooked up this I think, year. I think that might be where you see your first admission of guilt. Or maybe Jeff had it already, and now Jeff's that's really not, that's pissed not impossible. off. 
<laughs> Look, it's still going to be cool to see that without the, the potato quality. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be good to see it in full full res. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like it's not like this is is all we need. You know. Well, I mean? the funny thing too is that like not only is this shot off with a cell phone, it's not taking in the whole frame. Right. Like it's, it's all cocked. Like you could tell the guy put it in his jacket or whatever and like shot it through like a hole in his jacket. I don't know. It took some guts to do that. That's for sure. I would never do something that stupid, but. I'm thankful that somebody did because we have to check out the game way earlier than we were supposed to. So yeah, and this is—I uh, mean—it's a good—it's a there's a whole lot of people. You know, this is the whole a generation Star Wars. So they're uh, they got a built-in audience. They got a built-in audience of that generation's children now because that generation's in their 30s. Yeah, um, it's a smart move. It will do very very well provided it's. Even decent. Yeah, even having... Because the other Harry Potter games sold pretty well. They did real well. They weren't even close to being good. They were passable (laughs) at best. At best, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Game Awards this year we get the first look at this. I mean, that's really the next time for something to be unveiled anyway. So we're pretty much through all the big conventions at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll talk about a couple other events that are coming up here in a minute. But, uh, But, yeah, I mean, that seems to make the most sense. And now that the cat's out of the bag, why wouldn't they? In fact, they may have just called Jeff as soon as it happened. Be like, all right. All right. We need You got it. What else you got? (laughs) Exactly. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Red Dead Redemption 2, which we talked about in last week's show. We're going to talk about it in a different context this week. Uh, Now that the game is literally, what, three weeks away? Um, That's pretty mind-blowing to think about. Yeah. It's like three weeks. And now that it's three weeks away, all the information is just starting to come in. Like today, I saw somebody had played the first five hours of it and wrote something up about it. Um, The press had played the first couple hours and wrote those big impressions that we talked about last week. And today, they put out another gameplay trailer, another really long, lengthy look at how the game plays. Mm -hmm. And then over the past week, it was revealed that the size of Red Dead Redemption 2 is 105 gigabytes. Yep. At launch, well, you don't, you don't that's get... not after you've added like three expansion packs to it. That is 105 gigabytes at launch. And so the question that I want to ask, and hopefully between the two of us we can answer, is are games with the idea of streaming, net neutrality, data caps, are games becoming too big? No. This is how big they need to be for this kind of. Do you think it is, fidelity. or do you think the developers are just getting lazy and not like optimizing their games to make them as small as possible? Does, does this game not look optimized to you? Well, it looks incredible. That, but... Well, that comes at a price, comes at size. Like the, the games get bigger and bigger as the visual fidelity gets, you know, higher and higher. Like that's just how it is. And... But it, here's the thing, though. I feel like. That part, look, I'm all for it, obviously, because it makes the games look as good as possible. But I feel like games are heading in one direction, and as a consumer of bandwidth, we're heading in the other direction. Well, not yet. I mean, it is, though, because I've had a cell phone since 1997, I think, was the first year I really got like a, the like new versions of cell phones. And I never had a data cap until three months ago. And now Mm. with my cell phone plan, which is supposed to be quote unquote unlimited data, when I hit 22 gigs a month, they throttle my phone. Hmm. 
This has happened in the last three months. Oddly enough, pretty much right after the repeal of net neutrality. Well, that's also why there's no 105 gig phone games. But I've, look, I've also noticed that, and, and because I am up late every night, and I am using the internet at the same time every night, I've also discovered that my internet service provider throttles my bandwidth at like one in the morning. Every night at one in the morning on the nose, if I'm watch, if I'm streaming something on my TV through a console, it buffers and stops. And I will go back to my PC to see if my internet connection has dropped and it hasn't dropped. I can surf the internet on my PC just fine. I go back out to my TV and it's buffering. So changes are afoot. And the changes that are afoot are basically making us pay more for the same bandwidth we had before or just getting throttled if you're going over your data cap limit. So you're talking about a game, one game that's 105 gigabytes. Some people, that's like their monthly allotment on their internet service provider plan. Yeah, well, I guess they should buy the disc. I guess. Which I, will this be multiple discs then? It has to be bigger than fit? a Blu-ray. Yeah, I don't think you can fit 105. Blu-rays are like 38 gigabytes or something. But if they're double density, I think you can fit double that. Maybe. I think I thought there were 47 gigs. Yeah, but you usually it's taken up by formatting yeah. and stuff. So even if you had all 47 and you have a double density disc, you're still not getting to 105. So you're right. Like, or maybe the disc is just a key. Well, and usually, then it downloads the whole. It's going to download the game anyway. Well, you got you have to patch it usually, but a lot, most of the stuff. I mean, everything gets fully installed anyway. Like the only thing the disc is is a key, especially on the PlayStation 4. But it does install from the disc. Like, you're still going to download whatever day one patch there is, but you're not going to download 105 gigs. Um, I don't know. I haven't had that problem, any of those big bandwidth problems with my uh, internet provider. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it runs very fast, very fine. So it's not a big deal to me. Um, but it's just, that's just how it works. Like, I remember back when my friend got Dark Forces and we installed it on his PC, it was 50 megabytes. And we thought, like, why would, why would anything ever need to be bigger than that? Yeah. Like, what a huge game. It's like, it was like half his hard drive took up. Um, it was just, it's just how it goes. And, like, if, if it becomes a problem for the consumers and they can't handle that, then the game developers will, you know, shift focus or shift strategy on that. But for now, it doesn't seem to be an issue. Like, there's plenty of games that are that big. Not you know, on consoles. Well, Halo 5, Gears of War 4... Uh, on PC, yeah. they were that size. No, they're that big on a console. Mm. I looked at my Gears of War 4 save. It's 115 gigs. Really? Halo 5 is only on Xbox. It's 100-something gigs. Oh, right, right. No, uh, it is, it's 110, uh, Halo yeah, 5. You know, Call of Duty World War II, before I deleted it because I said I was never going to play it again, was like 90 gigs. No, it's over 100 now, too. Is it over 100? Because yep. that was a while ago, so I'm yeah. sure it's got another expansion. You know, and it is a little different that, like, okay, if your game, you know, Gears of War 4 is over that after, like, you know, a year or two years of expansion stuff. Right. It wasn't that big. This when is it day one. But like, but I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, it's it's fine. It's like I will download it and you know just be aware that you can preload this stuff, so, so you're not waiting all overnight when you should be playing it. Um, preloading is very very handy. Um, it's just that's how big they are now, and they're not all like that. But something like this, some this crazy ambitious game from Rockstar. It's got this like insane. Texture detail and 4K action. I mean, like I mean, that's what it is. It's four, realistic. The 4K textures well, yeah. that are because you're you're dealing with you know it's exponentially bigger than a 1080p. Yeah. So you know, and and like finally, the, these are textures are going to take advantage of that resolution, not just scale up. So right. like, you know, it's it's how it should be if you want to take advantage of the tech you're, you're leveraging. 
um, you know, realistic horse testicles do not come cheap. <laughs> it's just like I, I still have the base PS4. It's got mm-hmm. you know 500 games. And, I, and actually, it's I like wonder, I can fit four games on my hard drive. Well, I wonder either. if you will even have to download that because there might be that might be like with an HD texture pack or something, like right, a 4K right. pack or something. The sometimes version. they do that. Interesting. I wonder if they would do that, like detect what console you have. And... Rockstar's enough of a dick that they might not do yeah. that. But like I've seen, there's been a lot of things that a lot of games I've had where like you can download this extra like 30 gig texture pack if you want to run it at that resolution. Oh, you can choose if that's, you want That to. happens sometimes, okay. yeah. So um, that's a thing they might do. Obviously nobody knows, but that sounds like that's the maximum install is 105 gigabytes. Now PC games have been this big for a while, but it's not, not as a big deal for me for PC because my PC always has a gigantic hard drive. It's not not that common, really. Um, lot, some of the... the um, like the long running like MMOs sometimes will be that big, but I don't I don't run into hundred plus gig games on my PC very often. It's uh, it's still fairly rare, but they've been creeping up to the 60, 70, 80 range semi regularly, and you know by the by mid next generation, I expect hundred gigs will be pretty much the standard. Okay, so with that in mind, how big do you think the hard drives are going to be on the next gen consoles? Probably about the same. Really? They don't care. I mean, the PlayStation 4 came with a 500 gig hard drive. You could fill that up in a I day. I still have it. That's what I still have. I still have a 500 gig hard drive in my PS4. I mean, I put a two terabyte in my P- PS4 and it's full. Yeah. It's been full for almost a year. Every time I, I mean, I've been at this point for well over like two years now. Every time I install a game, yeah. I have to go through what I have and delete. Although, you know what saved me a lot of space uh, is I finally deleted all the screenshots for the trophies. Oh, yeah. That they take automatically. They take automatically. You can turn it off, but like... I didn't realize it as certain that when I switched Every to the game. well, then I switched to the pro. They were taking like 4K screenshots. Oh my god! They were like, like I looked at the full screenshot thing. It's like the screenshot folder was like eight gigs. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what are you? And it's because instead of being like you know like a you know hundred something K, the screenshots were now like two megs. Yeah. And like you've got a 50 trophy game, that's a lot. Adds up. So basically, what you're saying is that as games bloat, you don't anticipate anything adjusting to that because obviously bandwidth is going the other direction it's getting more expensive and you're getting capped well i mean and you don't think that they're going to give you any more space on i don't know if you're getting capped like i don't i don't know if i buy that really like oh a lot of people have bandwidth caps that's yeah but like but like i don't think they're happening like this weird mysterious i'm throttling you at 1 a.m and i mean i don't think that's a common thing and and, you know how do we know though you don't know how do you know that it's happening? Because it buffers literally every night at 1 a.m. on the nose. But why would they throttle it at 1 a.m.? I don't know. Because it's an algorithm. They have some data somewhere that says this is the time we can do it and no one will notice. Do it or, to do what? Or a small amount of people will notice. I don't know. What's the point? To save money. Save money on what? If no one's using it, they're not... I'm, I am using it. Yeah, but why would they throttle it for a small number of people... What I mean, maybe they're them? just throttling it to Netflix or YouTube or something like that. Because that's generally what I'm using at that time of night. At one in the morning? Yeah. But why wouldn't they do that during prime time and force people to pay for it? It doesn't matter when they do it. As long as they're throttling it when you're using that service, it doesn't matter when. It's bandwidth is always bandwidth, no matter what time of day or night it is. Yeah, but if you're throttling it like at, when hardly anyone's using it, you're not really saving anything. You're, you're still just, saving you're the just, money from me. Yeah, that's not enough to warrant doing but, that. Well, actually, think about it, though. They're like, well, we can screw the people, the, the small amount of people who are up late at night. All the other people who went to bed at 10 o'clock will never notice. 
That actually is a, would be a pretty smart strategy to save money on bandwidth. But if you're nickel and diming it to that degree, then you're in bigger trouble than having to worry about throttling the five. You don't business. think that they're nickeling and diming the ISPs? Yeah, but like that's not a economy but all they of have scale. To do is that makes just any set sense. it up. They don't have to do anything. But they it would just... be much simpler to just like throttle like a tiny bit during prime time, and then you save that money and more. No one ever. Well, they're probably doing been... that too. I just, I just, it seems a little paranoid. That, that the idea that they're targeting specific people. No, I said that to myself. I said that to myself the first like twenty-five times it happened. Believe me, this isn't like it happened twice, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting throttled at one a.m. Like this has happened every night for months and months and months, right on time. Literally, I can be watching YouTube or Netflix, and all of a sudden it'll stop playing. You get the circles. And I look at the clock, one a.m. Every time. You sure it's not just somebody in your building like streaming high res <laughs> Right at 1 a.m. every right time. 1 a.m. It's time to stream the 4K porn. <laughs> so you don't foresee any problems with this. The games can just keep getting as big as they want to and it doesn't matter. Pretty much. I mean, there's I mean, no what line. What are you going to do? Not play Red Dead Redemption? Like, that's the option here. Like, you know, don't play it because you don't want to download well, it. Well, Red, Red Dead Redemption... Yeah, I'm going to play it, but not every game is Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, look, if Dynasty Warriors Gundam 4 is 150 gigs, I might think about it twice. I don't <laughs> know. Like, but so far, it's been like big games that can are basically bulletproof. Like, no one's going to forgo... I mean, if you're interested in it, no one's going to forgo Halo 5 or Gears of War 4 or, or, but or Red Dead Redemption 2. But this is different, because... Those because are of that. generally games that get to this size are like a year old. And they have had three expansion packs and like 40 patches... This is day one. Oh well, like end. Like I don't know. It's just it's storage. Storage is cheap. Like the bandwidth thing is an issue, but like it's not that big of an issue. It'd be big, I figure it would be a bigger issue in if you have a slow connection rather than a bandwidth cap. I mean, if you have a bandwidth cap, you're kind of screwed right now anyway because everything's streaming. Yeah. Um, I mean, there'll be a reckoning on that eventually, uh, and California will probably pass its own laws to prevent that from happening. Which just did pass yeah. hardcore net neutrality well, yeah. laws, and, because and now so it's much getting of that sued is... by the federal government. Yeah, because that makes sense. The federal government's totally out to help us. <sighs> um, what happened to states' rights? Oh, that, 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 only, big, that only applies I when you're doing was, what they want. I thought that was a big platform for the GOP, states' rights. And not in California. Just let the states do what they want. Not in California. Not in California, though. No, we're, we're, uh, we're different somehow. <laughs> yeah, I don't get uh, that. But, all, but a lot of the companies that have to make those decisions are based out here, so that would, you know, that would impact everything positively for the whole country. Right. Um, but like, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think the this you know up in this the the gigabytes uh, size of a of a video game download by 30, 30 gigs is really going to break the industry. Um, it, I probably would never have even have noticed if it wasn't like kind of a thing I saw. I was like, wow, that's pretty big. That's a big install. You know, think okay. about somebody though who is on DSL. How long it will take? If you're on DSL <laughs> in 2018, <laughs> I don't know what to tell. I mean, maybe you're somewhere where you that's you don't have a choice. But like that, if that, that is, that's the way it is. In for that a lot case, you're probably buying it on disc, which yeah. is at least gonna you're only gonna have to download a few Half gigs a for a day one patch or something. Well, it depends what I they, saw in the comments. Somebody said that a, a double layered uh, Blu-ray is 50 gigs. That's what I thought. I thought it was closer to something. Yeah. So it could be a two gig game. A two disc game. I mean, I don't think we know. I've, have we ever had a two-disc Blu-ray game? I feel like there has been, but I can't remember what it was. There have been plenty of two DVDs. Honestly, but... I get stuff digitally all the time now, so yeah. I, have, I don't see discs much anymore. Yeah. I still buy everything on disc. I know I'm old school. I just, I don't have the... I haven't, I'm too lazy to get up and switch the disc every time I want to play something else. Yeah. Because if I have to do that, chances are I'm just not going to play it. 
So one of the reasons I buy a lot of stuff digitally is because I know that way I'll actually load it up. <laughs> and certainly something like Destiny 2, like I would yeah. never buy a disc of that because it's, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. Like there's no reason to own a disc. It's of just that. a key. That's yeah. all it is. Well, because like once that you, you don't need if you buy it digitally. Right. And if you and if you whatever it shuts down, now your disc. Congratulations, you have a coaster. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. One, one way or the other, we both. Got nothing in the end for our money. Yeah, you're so. right. That's the drawback of games. As but at a least, service. at least I have a coaster now. Yeah. Whereas I just have to delete data off my hard drive and I never see it again. So you're saying no big deal? Not to me. I mean, I I I feel like you know if you were dealing with like maybe a Switch game, it would be different because now you're basically strong arming people into buying an SD card and like there's no you know, yeah. I mean, think you, about that. You couldn't install. I mean, but there would never be a Switch game that big. Because it can't it can't run something at that resolution. Right. Um, you'd have to have a whole. You'd have to have a really big map for that. Think about that. Like, what? You can't even have a game like that on Switch. Well, no, you couldn't have a game like that on Switch anyway because it can't run it. Right. So, but you'll never have a game that big on Switch because it's never going to need textures. Right. That, it's that never going to have 4K textures. Yeah. yeah. And that is what um, sucks up most of this. Most but it's of like that. in this case, it's just like, well, I mean, most people maybe somebody's going to have to delete last year's Call of Duty to make room for it or something. But that's about it. Uh, the only thing I would say that would need to be done is maybe I might want to message out very clearly that this is a large install, so if you want to play it when it goes live, you know, opening day, you should probably preload. Yeah. Um, disc, you know, because, I mean, that's not an option if you have a disc, but, like, if you are on DSL, you might want to set that thing down. If you got a digital copy, you might want to start setting that thing downloading two days, <laughs> two days ahead of time. Like or two weeks ahead of yeah. time. DSL's so slow. All right, so there you go. We just wanted to discuss it. It's kind of a, one of the bigger topics from the week. Um, I do know a lot of people who live out kind of in the boonies and have really crappy internet where, yeah, they're pretty much their only choice is going to be to buy the disc version. Yeah. And even then, like, it'll, be, it'll take forever for them to download. Because some people who live in the boonies have, like, satellite internet. Oh, satellite internet is nightmarish. Satellite internet is worse than like dial-up. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really that bad. And there are a lot of people that are living that way in America and in Europe and all around the world. So um, I think it's, we're kind of spoiled. We live in urban areas where we have good internet. Um, bandwidth is fairly cheap. But if you live someplace where you only have one option and that option sucks, stuff like this does matter. Yeah. Although at the same time, if you live a place like that, Red Dead Redemption 2 probably isn't that much of an escape for you. No, it is your life. He's going to sit there complaining about how unrealistic the fishing is. <laughs> You're right. All right, let's, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a changing of the guard. So some of you guys may be so young that you have never even heard of Microsoft's XO events. They used to be these annual, and in fact, you guys all know PSX, but the truth of the matter is, is that Sony stole the idea from Microsoft. Before Sony ever did PSX, Microsoft had its XO events. And I think the last one, I think we talked about this maybe last week, was like XO8 maybe or something. Uh, yeah, it was, it was it was certainly the the uh, the aughts it's been like 10 years since microsoft did one of its x events and in the meantime sony started doing its psx events well in the last week and a half it's come out that the microsoft's x events are coming back so there's xo 18 which is coming up in mexico of all places and just in the last couple days it was discovered or announced that sony's annual psx mm -hmm. event is not going to happen this year so let's Let's start by asking, why do you think Sony is not going to have PSX? 
I think they're hitting like a wall where if they sh if they show or talk about more about what they're what the games we've seen like at E3 like you've got Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Two, uh, I think you're getting into PlayStation Five territory. I'm pretty sure those games are going to also run on PlayStation Five and look better and or Last of Us Two. Well, absolutely. Last will, of Us yeah. Two will run at sixty on PlayStation Five and it'll run at thirty on PlayStation Four, something like that. And I think they basically know that they have to wait until E3. Like, you're, you're going to get, like, a preview of, uh, of of the new hardware at E3, and they'll show some stuff like that, and then you'll get the system in 2020, um, along with, like, you know, your, your old games run better, and maybe they'll, you know, who knows when. There was a thing this week with some music release where the copy, they listed this Last of Us 2, and they listed it as 2019. Um, it was like you know, yeah. You put like see, the, but right before the show launched, or you put the date today. of like you know, yeah. You put like a movie or whatever. And you put like the, the the year it came out in parentheses. They did that with Last of Us Two and put 2019 in parentheses. So some people are taking that as some kind of confirmation that at least they right now the plan is to release it next year. Did you see the report? And this is totally non sequitur. You see the report that right before we started filming that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out next year. Really? Yep. Apparently the publisher. I don't said believe it. that. That's that's making the rounds right now. That's like the big hot news right before we started the show. I don't believe that news. I don't believe it's, it either. Uh, I mean, although it looked pretty damn good when I saw sure, it, but but like I don't. Mm, mm. I mean, I even know. if that's what they want, I bet it doesn't make you know. Yeah. I'll see you in March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I think, so you think? I think they're running up against the point where they don't have anything new to show. They'd have to show just new stuff about things we already know about, and the only real new stuff to show about that might be that they also run on the, the upcoming hardware. And like but at that PSX point, PSX last the point? year they didn't announce any new games, did they? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think that they did. That, that's that PSX. I'm always a little sketchy on because it happens so close to the game awards yeah, it's that, hard I, to that figure I figure out what was it the game awards bit. and what was PSX it PSX is more of like a oh the the, like the public event. gets to come yeah. play stuff right like yeah. it's almost like they just put the E3 demos on 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 the floor and let you play them yeah. and then and like I mean that kind of makes sense too because the E3 demos this year was Spider-Man. Yeah, that's all there was. There was nothing to play. Yeah. There was nothing else to play and Spider-Man's already out. I mean they had demos that they showed us right. behind closed doors but, but not but, that we could play. Well, not even that. Like there was no closed door demo of uh um like Ghost of Tsushima or something no. I think. I mean they, they they said that was played for real. Right. But like the only other demo I saw anyone playing back backstage was like Dreams and Days Gone. Yeah. Um, Aren't those two games that could use a PSX boost, though? Dreams, maybe, but like I think Dreams is going to get their beta, and that's the boost they need for that. You got to get your hands on that thing. Like, yeah. like just standing in a in a convention trying to trying to you know cludge together a 3D model or something is not going to give you a great experience of Dreams. Days Gone, like. But the game has languished, Dreams, for ever since. I mean, it was one of the first games ever shown for PS4. Yeah. Here we are, half a decade later. I don't think PSX would make a dent on that. It's more important to get it in the hands of people. I think you know. I think a, a beta is going to be more beneficial than showing it at yet another show. Um, Days Gone could maybe use something. I feel like day, the, the hype for Days Gone is deflated <laughs> tremendous. I mean, granted, it's, not out, hype it's not out until next year, <laughs> and they can build that up again with Lumion. You know, and certainly, it looks. Uh, I don't know if you saw the stuff, but like, it looks better now. Like, it looks better than this footage. Now. Yeah, they, they've done some work on it. Um, but again, I watched a guy play it at uh, at E3, and like it, 
it sure is a video game. <laughs> like I, that's all I can say. But it, yeah. like, it looks like a video. It's just like it's people make fun of like you know Ubisoft stuff for being like the most generic open world thing. But this is like the most generic open world game I've seen in a long time. And they're trying to give it some personality, but it's just like couple of dudes on motorcycles with biker gear and zombies in the woods and with shotgun I mean, it's just like there's no hook there's no hook to it. honestly this game probably should have been like a walking dead game like sony should have done yeah. with this game like what it did with spider-man got the ip put some money behind developing a game and it would do far better if it was a walking dead game and it's perfect i mean Somewhat. everything's it's perfect for a walking dead game i mean the well. problem you run into there is that like the zombies in this are not walking dead right. you, know, you you the, the the i mean what they have of a hook in terms of a zombie game is that there's these the fast hordes, swarming the hordes yeah, you're right. and you know the walking dead zombies don't do that yeah, you're so right. you're only le- you could, you're left with doing a world war z game and no one wants that um, not even the people who made world war z um, I don't know what they're going to do with Days Gone, but I feel like showing it again at another PSX is, uh, PSX is not going to, you know, it's not going to set anybody's world on fire. I feel like they've, they've just kind of, they've hit this weird lull where they don't have anything they can do right now. I mean, now. that's what happened with Microsoft when it stopped doing the EXO events. Like, yeah. it just got to the point where it's like, we don't really have anything to show with these anymore, so why would we do them? The other thing that they were doing, too, is Microsoft was doing them in, like, Spain or mm-hmm. Italy, and it was literally paying to send hundreds of journalists there. Yeah. Hundreds. Like, literally, like, I can't remember. I guess I was at GT Game Trailers the last time they had one. And they literally offered to send our entire editorial team there. Paid. Hotel, flights, food, everything to go to these. And maybe it just became where they were like, wait a minute. Like, we're spending so much money to get people out to these places. But now they're doing it in Mexico. And you had a theory on why they're doing it in Mexico. Well, it's not even a theory. I think it's the, the truth. Like, Gears of War is huge in Mexico. And I didn't think of this when it was mentioned last week. Gears of War is huge in Mexico. It's, it's, why? I don't know. Even like, <laughs> even, like, if you ask, like, Mexican players about it, they're like, I don't know. I just like it a lot. You know, like, <laughs> for whatever reason, that game resonates in Mexico and um, always has. Like, I remember the, the voice actor for Dom uh, mentioned it. Like, it was around, like, Gears of War, Gears of War 3 in the, in the middle there. We, we were hanging out with him at E3 or something like that, and he was basically talking about it. It's like, yeah, Mex- we're huge in Mexico. Like, like we're like so celebrities in Mexico. <laughs> like, and so I, I'm betting that like Gears of War 5 is going to be a focus since they're, they're going to do it in Mexico City because that's where their, their audience is. I mean, the, the Xbox is doing better than the PlayStation 4 in Mexico. Yeah. Be- in large part theorized because of Gears of War 4. Um, so if that's where your where your fans are, go to them. I agree with them on that. So we know why they're doing it in Mexico, kind of. Why are they doing it at all? They actually got stuff to show. Do they? Well, that's the thing is, like, I, th- I think they're going to show some of the stuff the four new developers they bought are working on. It's I think so they're early, some though. Stuff. I mean, that was just announced at E3. Yeah, well, they, I'm sure that's all that stuff they announce. It, we're, we're months behind the curve when we find these things out. Like it's like it's like how when you see like a demo or something of a game, that demo's five months old. Like that's that stuff's way behind what they've already know. been working on. I think about Ninja on. Theory. It had just fi- finished up like the last version of Hellblade. Um, State of Decay Two just came out. I'm not saying you're. We gonna... Happy Few just came out. I'm not saying you're going to suddenly get like a bunch of like uh, you know playable demos or something. But I I wouldn't surprise me to have them come up there and talk about what their next projects are going to be just to keep the, the some irons in the fire. I mean it's not very exciting. 
But like, I, I honestly cannot figure out why Microsoft is doing it now. I have no idea. Yeah, they've why. got momentum. They've got some stuff out. They've got some things to play. They got some things to talk about. They, they, you know, they fixed Master Chief Collection. Maybe they're ready to talk about <laughs> Halo Infinite. You know. No, like, I think I mean obviously, I, obviously Halo Infinite to me is going to probably be the biggest game there. Or Gears Five. I wouldn't bet on in Halo Infinite being there. No, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet. I, I, I don't mean, think not, they would have this event if Halo was not going to be there. That to me, maybe that I just answered my own question. Why is Microsoft doing this? Because Halo. I think it's because Gears. That's why it's in Mexico. They got. Uh, they're going to show. I think there's a show bunch Gears of Gears 5. stuff coming. They'll show Gears Five. They'll show that Gears uh, XCOM thing. They'll show, like, whatever they got for gear. I mean, I think Gears is the focus of this. And maybe you'll get a little mention of Infinite, but Infinite is not... I, don't think, I wouldn't expect anything crazy out of Infinite. Well, I think it's coming out next year. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to see it, like, focused on here. Well, I mean, you, were, you know, at this point, we're in October. If it's coming out next year, you're kind of ready to show the first gameplay here. Nah. No way. 12 months out from no when way. it's probably going to release? E3. I don't know. No way. I don't know. If you might, you're going you to spend this little, kind of money, you might get another little event, teaser, but like a little more. I'll put it to you this way: if they do this event, and the big thing and only thing at it is Gears Five, people are going to be really disappointed. Not in Mexico. Well, not in Mexico, but they don't care. <laughs> that doesn't matter. The people in Mexico, they're going to be happy. That's cool. But that's not what this is about. I mean, this is about it being live stream out to the world and getting people excited about Xbox. Yeah. Well. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that doesn't mean they're going to do the right thing. I'm saying if you're holding this in Mexico City, it's because you're blowing out the three Gears games that are coming out. I mean, I hope you like a 15-minute demo of Gears Pop. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that game. I completely forgot about that game. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it was, it was like, what? Like a 15-second right. teaser? Right. Yeah, little teaser. It wasn't any... Yeah, there's no real reason to remember that. But I you're right. I mean, they're probably going to show more of that. I only remembered it because I was sitting here thinking about, like... There was another thing. There was another yeah. Gears thing. There was another Gears <laughs> thing. And I finally was. remembered what it was. That's what it was. Absolutely. So I remember the XCOM thing because I'm kind of interested in that. So do you have a fear that maybe PSX is done for a while? No, I think PSX will be back next year. Because to me, the weird part is that it's really, it really wasn't about announcements, although we got that stuff. There was a one year that Paris Games Week kind of coincided yeah, with about, it. I, th I think it's mainly because they have nothing to put in anyone's hands. I mean, their big, big demo at E3 was Spider-Man, and that's out. And, like, yeah. you know, previous years, a lot, of, a lot of the function of PSX seemed to be, we're going to take all the stuff that we showed at E3, and we're going to put those same demos on the floor for the general public. But they had a lot of third-party stuff at PSX, too. Yeah. I mean, and... I, I just think they're, they're, at a, they're about to hit a transitional period, uh, and they don't want to show us anything right now. Speaking of not wanting to show us anything, do you really believe that? Or do you think that a lot of the stuff that maybe would have gone to PSX is going to go to hashtag the Game Awards? No. You don't think Jeff Keighley did a little dance in the street whenever he found out PSX was canceled? Well, he might, but it doesn't mean that there's anything. Because PSX would have third-party exclusives, first-party exclusives, and now all that stuff's up for grabs. Yeah. But so it, we, we were but saying earlier how we'd be depends. confused trying to remember what was at PSX and what was right. at the Game Awards. But it depends, like, if you're not going to do PSX, you're also not going to waste the, the, the bandwidth and manpower to make anything to show in December. Which means it's not like you're, everybody was making a demo or a trailer or something for PSX and all of a sudden the rug got pulled out. Now we got to find somewhere to put the demo or the trailer. Oh, let's call Jeff Keighley. Like, 
if this was not part of the plan, no one is diverting manpower or resources to making anything for December. So there's chances are there's just nothing to show. Um, like, I can't think of a reason you'd want to do that right now. Um, you know, let them premiere Death Stranding for the 15th frickin' time and call it a day. <laughs> you know, that's a Sony game. That's one of their things. You know, I'm sure there'll be Death Stranding stuff at Game Awards. Well, yeah, it's Keeley and yeah. Kojima. <laughs> bros. And, you know, and you may be right. Maybe, like, Kojima being such bros and Death Stranding being so tied in with Sony. Like, maybe Kojima talked to Sony and was like, hey, if you don't want to do this thing, you should have just hand stuff over to this. It worked for me, you know? Yeah. Look where I am now, you know? So maybe Where maybe you're right. Maybe maybe <laughs> Kojima's influence like has convinced Sony to maybe do some stuff. I, for I don't Game think Wars. that. I definitely but like don't think I that. think that's a long shot. I think most likely you're gonna get some Death Stranding. And we're gonna have to wait until next E3 to see more Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima. Well, look, I think a lot of publishers built PSX into their annual schedule, and like okay. You know, if we could have something... Oh, you something. mean like third parties deciding... Yeah, yeah I mean... That... So, and I think Keeley now will be able to swoop in on that stuff and get those trailers and stuff like that that maybe might have been well, I, debuted at PSX. Well, I also don't think that a lot of those third parties would, would not be unaware that they weren't doing it now. You know, like... You, I don't know. Well, because you got to have time to make stuff, so they would have been informed. You know, I mean, you, they nor- probably got like a four-month heads up or something. Now, you usually get six to eight months to do something like that. But like, I they, I'm sure they knew by by E3 time that PSX was not going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. I talked to a lot of people at E3, and nobody said anything of the sort. Well, because they wouldn't be allowed to say anything like that. You know how it is, though. People yeah. go out, they get drunk, they talk. Yeah, but like... They just know who no, they, no, they know. They know who they can trust. Yeah, to not leak the stuff out. I to think other people. PSX isn't happening this year. Is also not a tremendous top of mind story at the, at that point. Eh, it's a pretty big like, deal. I think it's less of a deal than you're making it out to be, um, unless you're working with Sony, probably. Or yeah. you're a PlayStation fan. I mean, this was your chance to go play PlayStation's games and all the third party stuff. Well, that and was hang E3. out with a bunch of other cool gamers. Well, that was E3. It's open now. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Wait, um, wait three hours in line to play Spider-Man. Yeah, that's pretty much all you could do. I mean, that's what PSX would be anyway. I mean, yeah. Except you already own Spider-Man, so why would you do that? Well, you have Days Gone and some of the other stuff there. I just feel like the stuff that they had available to, to put on the floor for the general public, I think they just looked at that and said, that's not enough to charge people money and expect them to come do this, and it's not something that's going to you know, light up the internet. Uh, you know, right after holiday season, uh, let's just call it off for until next year. Next year we'll blow it out because we'll have new hardware to show off. I think that's what's happening there. All right. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Sony again. Sony finally relented, Matt. Sony, Sony, Sony. Yeah. It's Sony's world. We're all just living in it or playing in it. Well, now we're playing <laughs> with it. Yeah. <laughs> So Sony finally relented this week and announced that it was going to allow cross-platform play on PlayStation 4. Obviously, the big game that everyone's all bent out of shape over is Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And that's because Fortnite, the way the accounts were working on with the game, it's, mm-hmm. it's got really, really it basically messy. basically locked you out of the account if, uh, if you wanted to play it on Switch, but you ever played it on PS4. Right. And I guess that's not fixed yet, but it is getting fixed in November, I want to say. I yeah. think I read that. And actually, I have the quote loaded up here from Sean Layden um, announcing why they decided to do it. Yeah, if, you want, if you want a fine, fine example of corporate PR speak. Yep, and here I'll read it for you guys. And this is all a big bunch of 
baloney, <laughs> if you ask me. Uh, this is something we know about. We know this is a want. This is a desire. And this is so Sean Layden as well, the way this is all worded. <laughs> I should read it like him. This is a desire. And we want to deliver that in the best way possible. Now, and enabling crossplay isn't just a flip of a switch and there you go. It's a very multi-dimensional attribute or feature. So didn't, we didn't the Rocket League guys basically say it's pretty much just yeah, flipping a switch. Yeah, literally like, they said it is just flipping a switch. <laughs> so we had to look at it from a technical point of view. We had to look at it with our partners from a business point of view. Your partners are the ones telling you they want yeah. it. This is all a bunch of malarkey. Um, <clears throat> All the malarkey with the shenanigans and the goings-on. <laughs> we, ha we have to make sure that if we enable this, we do it the right... We, we do have the right customer service support. Do we have the right messaging out there? Play the game. <laughs> you might see Xbox players. Don't panic. There you go. There's your messaging. Uh, it's rather ordinal. He used the word ordinal. Everything has to go in a certain order to get them all set up, and that's why it has taken us longer, certainly, than what I would have wanted. But it took us longer than what it was going to take to get it ready and get it done, which is why we were able to not only announce it this past Tuesday, but enable it at the same time. Ooh. That, there's so Shadow much, drop. There's so <laughs> much bullcrap in that statement, it's not even funny. Let's, let's just be honest. Let's be honest, Sean Layden. You guys complained. You guys make us a lot of money, so we're fixing it. Yep. That's pretty much all it comes like, down I'm to. Like, I'm pretty sure this is happening because Fortnite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if because Fortnite wasn't the juggernaut it is, this, they never would have budged. But they, <coughs> they, 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 I, I can only figure they were getting heat from, from the, the customers and from Epic. And, like... And I mean, they were getting razzed by by Microsoft and Nintendo online. I mean, when I mean Nintendo didn't play those reindeer games very often, <laughs> yeah. but even they were getting into they were they were, they were playing along a little well, bit. Well, yeah, they were. Taking I mean, some Nintendo UK. Yeah, absolutely. They were like, hey, this is our one chance to take some shots at Sony for being anti-consumer. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this is just what what Sony does when they're in the lead. Yeah, pretty much. They do what they want until they're at a point where they can't do what they want anymore. Yeah, and then they'll be dragged kicking and screaming into doing what people want them to do, and they'll come up with some weird justification in PR doublespeak that explains why it's totally the, the, the right time and the good thing to do now. <laughs> Even though three months ago it would have been anathema yeah. to, no, you're to everything a PlayStation Network subscriber could ever want. And to your point about it's all because of Fortnite, you're absolutely right. Because Rocket, they didn't care about Rocket League. No, Rocket League didn't move that needle. No, <laughs> they were just like, well, screw you. You only have, you know, 20 million playing your game. But Fortnite has... Man, people sure are good at Rocket League. Yeah, they, they really are, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this is obviously Psyonix playing. This is one of their polished trailers or whatever. But, um, yeah, to me it's just... And look, ultimately, who cares why? It, it happened. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to be able to play against people on PS4. Yeah, it's just one of those things, like, just remember... You know, when, when you're tempted to think Sony's your friend. Right. Just remember this. We say this all the time on Game Face, and people just don't listen. They just tune out. They're like, no, they like me. They no, don't just they want don't my care. money. No, they just want your money. And once you, I feel like once you've accepted that in gaming, gaming becomes so much better. Yeah. 
Living in that weird, like, fandom bubble isn't good. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment no, and disaster. Always, you gotta always go where the best experience for you is. Yeah. And not be, you know, I don't care what platform something's on. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, when, you know, I've been, so, I was PS4 player for multi-platform stuff this whole generation until I got an Xbox One X and now everything runs better on that. So that's what I get my multi-platform. You know, I don't care what platform it's on. I'm not making, I'm not a Sony shareholder. I'm not an Xbox shareholder. I just want the game to work the best. Yep. So that's I've been that get. way for forever. But you know, people will never accept that because they can't accept that they would ever be. Well, I mean, that part way. of that is part of that is that you know, as you know, adults with with you know, income and careers, we have the luxury of being able to buy multiple systems. Yeah. And you know, when you I think you see that the console warrior thing comes into play more when you're a kid because you have to pick one. Yeah. You, know, you don't have the, that money and you have to pick one and you have to then convince yourself for the next four years you made the right decision. Um, but I, I think the smart move... It's hard move, out though, here for a Sega Master System owner. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> but to me, the smart move is buy a few less games on that one console and get the other console. Yeah, but when you're 12, that's a hard, that's a hard self-control moment. Not when you can play the best games on another console. instead Because what happens is if you get one console, you buy the exclusives for that console. Smart, good idea. But then you end up buying all this other third-party stuff that usually isn't up to scratch with the first-party stuff. Instead of buying all that stuff, buy, an, buy another console so you can play all the best games, all the exclusives that yeah, get... Yeah, but I remember being that age and, like, you know... that Because you, you can play the third-party stuff on all of them. Even if you know that that's the responsible thing to do or the, the smart thing to do, you're still sitting there thinking, like, well, yeah, but the money I would spend on that console is, like, five more games for the console I already own. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it, but it's like... I've been I, I I served my time in the console wars, the 32-bit era in particular. Oh boy! But like nothing, <laughs> nothing will nothing will teach you like that like you know that your preference doesn't necessarily mean anything's correct or or useful. Like being the one who bought the Saturn. So, <laughs> being a Sega fan really really taught you some hard reality lessons. Yeah, I mean early, early on. Followed up with so. the Dreamcast too, yep. which was a great console that lasted like a year and a half, really. Yeah. Oh, well, I got an import. I mean, technically, it lasted I got an import Japanese that. one a year before it came out right. in America. So I was yeah. I was playing that Mahjong and that Godzilla Generations <laughs> right. way before anyone else. Um, that was a wild <laughs> Christmas, let me tell you. <laughs> oh man, so. All's well that ends well. I think what this is best for is for, I think it will motivate and it provided everyone stays on board and everyone's cool with it. Well, we got new systems coming up, so I know it, it all could, starts I'll over be thrown again. out the window again. But I think what it really does is it will motivate smaller teams with smaller budgets to maybe at least take a stronger look at multiplayer mm -hmm. connectivity because now they don't have to count on that one audience on that one console supporting right. their whole ecosystem. They should have enough players between all the different platforms to make multiplayer viable for everybody and, and that really forget, was that really was the big problem in the holdup with all of this well let's not forget also that like there's probably no mode in multiplayer more vulnerable to player population problems than the the battle royale yeah you know, right. like that is if you don't have a, a robust population your game dies. That has been proven over and yep. over again. And it's going to be proven again and again. And you can pull all the consoles. I mean, it helps. It it's does. Gonna help. Absolutely. So, good news. I mean, regardless of whether, why Sony did it or whatever, ultimately it's good news for us. It's good news for game developers. Mm -hmm. It's good news for online communities. There's really no bad part of this other than Sean Layden's quote. Yeah. Which was just blatant PR 
malarkey. And whoever and whatever Sony board members are still grumbling right. in a meeting. Which room I'm somewhere. sure that they are. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it was not a unanimous decision to do this, I guarantee it. No. 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 There's still some people that I'm sure just don't get it. Yeah. That but, didn't get their but, way. But they were outvoted yeah. and here we are. Yep. Good for us. All right, let's move on. Last topic of the week, we're going to talk about the biggest game of the week, and that is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Both of us have been playing it. I've been playing it for several days. You too? Yeah. I'm like, what, I'm like 10, 12 hours in. Yeah. I so, think he, so I'm like 3% complete. Yeah. It's, I was a little bit ahead of him when I got here to set up, but I think in the amount of time that he played while I was setting up for the show, he actually surpassed me. Yeah. So we're roughly in the same area. Yeah, about uh, 10, finish, 12 hours in. Finished chapter one, kind of, kind of the, the game starting to unfold, you know, a little more and more. You know, it, it's it's a slow burn. Uh, it is a slow burn. I would argue, even the, by Assassin's Creed Origin standards, it's yeah. a slow burn. I would argue the beginning of this game starts really weird. Mm-hmm. The the game starts really weird. Like it throws you into this gigantic battle just out of nowhere with no oh, yeah. with you, no context. You start, you start, well, there's context because it's one of the most famous battles in history. Um, but they don't explain that though. You don't. You don't really need to explain the Battle of Thermopylae. Um, it, I think for a lot of people, you absolutely do. Well, they'll get around to it. There's a lot of flashback in here, but I mean, look, everyone's seen 300. This is Sparta. <laughs> um, you play as King Leonidas uh, at the Battle of Thermopylae briefly. Yeah. Stabbing the hell out of a bunch with, of Persians. With spears. Um, and then, uh, what happens after it's, that? Exactly. The that? Exactly. The whole beginning so of this game, like, it, it doesn't really start. It's just like, hey, let's just patch some of this stuff. It, the, to me, the game started really weird. Like, I, at first, I thought well, this the, game was terrible, Matt. Well, I'll the, be honest with you. Well, I the, was like, holy crap, they destroyed the freaking franchise. Well, no. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, because, well, because the now I remember because like cause the the trick in this is like so, the character you play does not use a hidden blade, right? Departing from every other Assassin's Creed game. Because this is a prequel. It's four thirty one yeah. BC. Yeah, it's like four hundred years before yeah. Assassin's Creed Origins, which makes me wonder why you called that one Origins. If because you're they never through. counted on this one coming. Yeah. Well, it, well, you're kind of retroactively in a you know. So now you've had two Assassin's Creed games in a row whose whose initials are ACO. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I mean, you can't call this game anything other than Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I mean, yeah, you, ha- yeah. you have Absolutely, to call this yeah. Odyssey. You're literally sailing the wine dark sea yep. to, you know, in a quest to, to, you know, to return home. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's literally the, the Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. Um, but like the thing they kill that your character kills people with is a sh- like a, like the tip of Leonidas's spear. Yeah. And in the Leonidas section, you're fighting with the, with the spear, which is not broken apart yet. And at the end of it, it flashes to modern day. And the same woman, uh, Lydia or something like that, like the, the woman who was in the Animus in Origins is also in this, and she f- digs up the spear, which was under about three rocks, it turns out. Yeah. The, the, the 2,000-year-old <laughs> spear was, was real close to the surface with a book. But see, Matt, I never even connected that the spear that they, because they just cut, and it shows her, like, from the perspective of if you're the spear, her yeah. pulling away a couple rocks and pulling the spear out, I never even connected that what she was pulling out of that hole was the spear from the battle before. Like, yeah. I had no idea. The whole thing just starts so weird. 
And I was like petrified. I'm like, oh my God, they ruined the IP. What have they done? Well, and then the it I... actually starts and it turns it out. It's, it is a real Assassin's Creed well, game. Course, I, that's a weird thing to think. Like, it's, it, like the story isn't really that important for the most part. It's the setting. Um, like, I don't know. But it, so it, it shows like this battle. Yeah. And then it shows this girl pulling rocks off. And then she's in like present day. Like, it, yeah. what was the setting? Like, the setting? and then she goes into the Animus. Like, yeah. What's that? That's Assassin's Creed, man. Have you played Assassin's Creed? Like, I played all of them. And like, that's why I think it, this game starts really freaking weird. I didn't find it weird. I mean, I didn't find it memorable, but I didn't. I mean, it, he's using the spear, and the spear breaks off, and but the spear it, gets but found. But Matt, there's like no setup at all. It just starts, and you're like. Here's a big battle with all these people. Go kill people. Yeah, that happens all the time. And then in it games. just starts. The screen just goes black, and then it just starts. And you're a modern day in the end. It, it does not make any sense. This game starts weird. Yeah, it starts it does. like it starts Assassin's Creedy. Like I, they, I played them all. They've dropped kind of well. They've dropped sort of all the setup and all the all the pacing for any of the modern day stuff because people whine about it so yeah. much. So that's what you get now. It's like Assassin's Creed Origins was like that too. All the modern day stuff was very abrupt and kind of came out of nowhere and was very afraid of spending any time explaining anything. Uh, I mean, you could look at her laptop in, in the last one and look at like kind of some character bios and backstory stuff to kind of explain, fill in the gap between, you know, what happened in, with the Abstergo stuff between uh, the last game and, and the reboot. I mean, it's not a reboot, it's kind of a... a re but, like, these are the same characters. She found the spear, they found some DNA. They found the DNA of two different people on the spear, so they're gonna... You have to pick which one to use. That's how you pick between Cassandra yeah. and whatever the hell the guy's name is. Alexios. Alexios? Yeah. You pick between them, they're identical. I mean, it seems to be they the exact same They just swap the thing. models out. Uh, like, like Alexios, you know, I think they, they said at E3, but, like, you know, Alexios is not a character in the game if you are Cassandra and vice versa. Right. You are literally the same person, yep. which makes you wonder why there's two different forms of DNA on the spear. But anyway, um, <laughs> so you not, pick... Let's you, not think about you that. You pick one, and you go in, and she and the, the girl who's with you is kind of like, it's like, okay, we're loading it up. Here we go. And then you load in, and you become, in my case, Cassandra, in your case, Alexios, and it just goes from there, and it has not referenced anything Animus-related since. No. Um, I, I haven't no seen... No talk of the Templars, which they didn't exist Templars yet? Templars, yeah. So this is a prequel even further than... I mean, because Origins was basically the story of, of uh, the Assassins being formed as a brotherhood in response to kind of a syndicate that is essentially the Templars before they were called the Templars. In this one, the closest I can... I mean, this is, again, it's a real slow burn... Cassandra slash Alexios is living in this weird little, this like kind of podunk, uh, crime-ridden island, Hamlet kinda, off, yeah. in, off in the corner of the Greek Isles, and um, the underwater stuff is really good in this. The fish, it, the yeah, fish it looks are so, so good. good the, yeah. They did a great job of the wildlife in this game, yeah. in a way they did not in Origins. Yeah. Um, and the uh, basically what you find out is uh, she was. I'm just gonna call her she because I'm playing as Cassandra, so it's, it's a she to me. Uh, she. Um, washed up on the beach a uh, year when she was a child and this like kind of grifter sort of dude named Marcos <laughs> shady uh, guy, Marcos. Uh, f finds her and takes her in and teaches her basically how to how to steal shit from people and uh, she, <laughs> when you and when you catch up with her here she's a mercenary and she uh -oh. works for him and she basically goes and kills people and breaks she's like a, she's a leg breaker yeah basically. I mean um, and so you play as a mercenary she, yeah you're she's a mercenary like a lot a, of mercenaries you're a hitman a Gun for hire without yeah, a gun. Yeah, gun for hire, tax collector, yeah. debt collector, <laughs> like, 
Uh, I love when I crashed the boat yeah. on the shore, it broke up. And, Sword like, of Fortune, yeah. Fell down. So, um, and you can see here, she stabs, she stabs people to death with her spear tip here. Yeah. Um, and basically, uh, so she is a Spartan. Like, it flashes back to when she was a kid and she was trained by her Spartan father. Yeah, her father was. Um, and she trained her to be a, a badass, basically. And uh, it's Assassin's Creed, so that doesn't last. You know, we, you know, no one has a happy childhood in Assassin's Creed. Um, and eventually, kind of the you get you end up with a ship and having to go out into the into the into the world. And uh, the idea seems to be that eventually you're going to kind of find find your home or find out what happened to your home uh, uh, or to Sparta over the course. But um, it feels like it's going to be a long trip. Yeah, because uh, you start out. And uh, you start out having to do some very unrelated things, um, which is cool. Like it's starting to open up, and uh, I kind of get where they're going with it, and I like I like what they're doing. Um, I like uh, Cassandra as a character. She uh, I like Bayek a lot too, but um, already there's a little more to her and her story than there was with Bayek because one of the issues with Bayek I have is that I honestly did not like Bayek that much. Bayek I like... the reason I never finished the game. Bayek I like in the sense that he has sort of Geralt's like world weariness. Like it, it sometimes he's just like, oh, we're doing this? Okay, okay. Like whatever. It's he, He's a little more subtle. Uh, Cassandra's a little more, um, a little fire, more fiery. She's got the Greek temper. Um... Oh, by the way, this footage that you're seeing is from very early in the game, so we're not yeah, showing you late game stuff. We're not going to spoil anything for you. I mean, you, you don't so. e you don't even get the the title screen until like yeah. four hours in. Yep. I mean, it's it's. Right. I mean, yeah. that's pretty standard at this point. But like, you you have to complete that first island before the game even really starts. Um, but uh, oh, and here we, we've got the Bioware style uh, decision, you know, dialogue decisions, um, which I think adds something. Uh, it, it, uh, I did one thing I found myself doing certainly, uh, about by the halfway point of Assassin's Creed Origins was just sort of like going and looking at something else whenever Bayek would talk to somebody. Um, in that, and actually that was in part because the story of Assassin's Creed Origins is Bayek and Aya having the same conversation nine times right, until yeah. the game ends. <laughs> like there's no real progression there. Yeah. Uh, this feels like a lot more is happening. You get a ship. Uh, that you can hire crew for and and you know board things and steal stuff and be a pirate and and you end up in the, the first area you, like, you have to weaken the, the 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 government of the area like the, the the military control that the Athenians have and you do that by completing all these other side missions and then you can go in and steal like the national treasure I mean I mean there's a lot of like simulation stuff happening um, there's the mercenary side of thing I mean it, there's a lot in this that because it's that's the thing is like you look at this game and you think it's like Oh, it's just like a reskin of Origins, but I there's a lot more gameplay mechanics happening here that were not part of Origins that I that was very pleasant. Oh yeah, like by. the whole mercenary system. Yeah, the, the Assassin's Creed finally stole the Nemesis system yeah. from Shadow of Shadow of Mordor. Like yep. they, they, it's it's here in a form. Yeah, but there, it's called you're called mercenaries, yeah. and at first you just get one, but essentially they're these these people that are always looking for you, mm -hmm. and they're badasses. Basically, like, if you if you're in open combat. With enemies out of, all, of any of in my case, I guess right now it's the Athenians. But if you're in open combat, you will raise your basically wanted meter, yeah. and then these guys will come out. These and you can't see right now because well, it's you. a cinema. But like at the bottom right of the screen, there's a little meter that shows. It's kind of like the wanted meter in GTA. Yeah, it's it's literally it's really a wanted the same meter. thing. Yeah, uh, but the mercenaries are 
cool. You're actually a mercenary yourself, yeah. which is a little yeah. ironic. Because you actually are on, because there's like a long line. There's like a spectrum of, you go to the mercenary tab and it's like nine tiers of four mercenaries each or something like that. And you're on it. Like you, as you kill each mercenary, you move up it. And yeah. at a certain point, like around tier seven, you'll get you'll get the ability to participate in arena battles. Yeah. So this is a whole like kind of almost a gladiator style thing. Yeah. But it's also like an open world, like these guys are just roaming around and if they see you, sometimes you'll see like, a, I've run into really high level ones that look at me and they're like, like, oh, you have a bounty and I could kill you, but I'm not gonna because you're not worth my time right now. But you should be careful because this dude's after you. And then you'll get a little thing that says, like, this guy's after you now. Yeah. The way so you, you discover these them. are really interesting. And, like, I had tracked, like, the first one I had tracked him, but I wasn't paying attention. And I went to finish a side mission and I just got within, like, 50 yards of him. He just came yeah. after me and just smashed my skull into the dirt. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I have to pay attention to this because yeah, these guys are, you... like, everywhere. Yeah, and when you start, like, the first one they throw at you is, like, I think he's, like, two or three levels higher than yeah. you, so he's going to kill you. Well, they tell you not to mess with him. Yeah. They're like, dude, don't mess with this guy. He's, like, three levels ahead of you. He'll crush you. And he did. He literally just stomped me. Um, and I think that's a really cool addition to yeah, it's a, the franchise. It's very disruptive. And yeah. It, and it needed that. It, cause, it makes cause, you uneasy at yeah, all Origins, times. Origins had a thing where, like, after a while, you just felt like you were just sort of going through the motions because you were so powerful. Yeah. And nothing could really surprise you. These guys are constantly surprising to me, even this far into the game. I, even when, when you were here, I went into a... Um, I went to a little, you know, a little tomb. It's like you know, you find like these these areas, and like, okay, go and, find the treasures yeah. and complete the area and stuff. So I went to the tomb, and I was knocking down doors to get into new places. And you know, there's wooden wooden panels, and you like hit them, and they break open. And I come up back up out of the tomb, and one of the mercenaries had heard me smashing stuff from outside. Like he, like he, because he, <laughs> he's walking around the front rooms of the tomb, going like, I know I heard something. You know, like uh -huh. a, and I'm like, and there's, that's the only way out of the tomb. And I'm yeah, just like, oh, you're shit. And, 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 and I'm like level, <laughs> I'm like level nine and he's level 12, which oh, means boy. he'll probably kill me. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, and, and so I basically had to like kind of do this weird sort of, you know, dance around the back of like the treasure chest to kind of like wait until you, <laughs> and then like run out. Run out. Because there's yeah. no way I could have killed him. He's too yeah. powerful. But like, the fact that, like, the idea that, that these it. mercenaries yeah. can, like, trespass on these other parts of the game like that every part. is great. Yeah, it's, there's it's, no place to hide from no. them. Like, you can track them and you know where they are, but if you're not paying attention, like, it happened to me. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to complete this side quest. La -dee -dee -la. Next thing I know, it's like, hey! And I was like, hey, what? Dude just comes yeah. over and just smashes and me. And there have been guys who, like, have, like, like it seems to work like the, the nemesis system where they kind of generate them. Yeah. Because even if you kill them and you move past them, you'll see, like, the previous tiers are now listed as, like, undiscovered. So clearly they can regenerate more guys. Yeah. And I've run into guys that have, like, pet lions. There was a guy who had a, a dog that tracked me and I couldn't escape from I was trying to get away and, like, he just kept sniffing me out in bushes. And, like, there's a lot to it. There's... Animals are a big part of the game in general. So you can tame them. Um, they're in cages a lot like Far Cry, except yeah. they don't work like Far Cry. Yeah. If you let the animals loose, they kill you. They don't go after, like, just anybody. Like, they're tamed to their owners. Yeah. So if you free an animal in a cage at a camp, they don't go after the people no, in the camp. No, if they're trained animals, they'll come after you because you're the stranger. They come after you. It's, it's like, you know, and that's a mechanic that was in, uh, you know, in a simpler form in Origins. It's like, the you know, there were phalakis in, in Origins that would hunt you, but they didn't do this. Like, I never had a problem with one of the guys hunting me 
in Origins because they stayed in their little section of the map and you never saw them again. Yeah. But like these mercenaries, this is a completely different game in yeah. terms in it, it, ball game. I mean, not a video game, but I mean like the way the mercenaries work in this completely unlike the the, the guys who are like hunting you down for the pharaoh oh, yeah, in yeah. Origins. It's, it's it's a much more dynamic and much more uh, uh, emergent system. Now the game itself tries to make you believe that there's a much bigger emphasis on decisions that you make and that they'll trickle down ultimately to characters not wanting to work with you mm -hmm. or maybe even they kind of hinted that it could change the ending of the game. Do you think that's a bunch of hogwash or do you see the game well, actually? I don't think it's as nuanced as they might want you to believe, yeah. but I have already run into a situation because you, when you get your, your ship, you can hire crew. You can hire crew yeah. to be like lieutenants, or just like you can. You can actually knock out almost anyone in the game, any warrior in the game, instead of assassinating them, and hire them for your crew. Yeah, and they'll go, you know, bolster your ranks. And like, like the random it helps guys, your boat. Yeah, like the random guys like this are basically they're they're guys who will board other ships with you, or if it's like a specific character, you can recruit them and they'll become one of your lieutenants and right. help you out that way. But I've already had someone turn me down for the job because they thought I was too nice. Oh wow. So because because I don't I'm not going around like killing people like with no mercy because you get choices like okay you all die, or you can like let the the, the people go or whatever that stole the thing because they were hungry. The or choices whatever. are binary. There's, right, there's they are not, binary. There are many shades of gray in there. There are binary, but it's not like a Bioware game where you'll always get a better outcome with people if you're nice. Yeah. Because um, already I've I really wanted that one character to be on my boat, and she basically said like nah you're too much of a goody two shoes I'm out of here. Um, so yeah, there's there's elements of that, but like, and then I encountered her again. Though, so like, they they do a better job of um, taking these characters that feel like in Origins they would have been like one-offs, and they keep recurring, and so you kind of get to know them, and it, it works yeah. a little better that way. It, it's basically you know it's not like totally dissimilar from Origins. It's, it's it's they're working with the same tool sets in a lot of ways, but it feels more concrete. It doesn't feel quite as much like a proof of concept in some places. It feels like it's. It knows what it is. It's got its feet on the ground. It's trying to work, make all these systems work together, and it doesn't feel quite as compartmentalized as Origins did. And I think that's really a satisfying thing. I'll say this, at least based upon what I've played so far, this feels the least like an Assassin's Creed game yeah. of any Assassin's Creed game I've played. Yeah, I think this is this is this game has completely made the transition into an action RPG, an yeah. open world action RPG. Like the Assassin's Creed games used to be just action games, yeah. story-driven action games. This is this is a completely different game from, say, Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah, I mean, you would really have no way of other than the traversal. You would really have no way of knowing that this was an Assassin's Creed game. Oh, the traversal, and there's a little, there's some animus stuff, and like the ship combat's the same. Just that yeah, very little that cinema, and of course, like when you die or whatatever, you see the world being the built around you. And, like, yeah. And there's the eagle stuff and like the you know the synchronizing and diving off. The, I mean, all the elements are there. It's just they're 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 presenting it in a completely different way. Um, yeah, I mean the moment to moment playing of this does not feel like an Assassin's Creed to me. Um, well, it is. I think that could does, be good or that could be bad. Well, it does feel like Assassin's Creed because that's what this is now. Well, right. Like, but yeah. I'm saying if you've played a lot of games in the past, like we could put you in a in a room and say we're going to give you a video game. You tell us what this game is. And I think you could play this game for a while until you got to one of those elements we talked about and not realize it was an Assassin's Creed game. Mm. I mean, maybe if you hadn't played Origins. Um, but I would pick it out as an Assassin's Creed game because you sneak up behind people and stabbing them in the back. I mean, it's, you're still sneaking in Stealth bushes and stabbing people. Stealth is still a big and, part yeah. of the game, yeah. And it's, and, you know, to, it's probably to the me, biggest Assassin's, part of the game. To me, Assassin's Creed at its most core is 
sneaking around stabbing people in stabbing people with a blade in an historical setting. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> that's what this is. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's it's half sneaky game and half like archaeological tour and you know, it delivers. I mean, I'm I'm not as interested in the setting as I was with Egypt. I think ancient Egypt is a more interesting setting to me than than Greece just because I think Greece doesn't you know, it, it Greece is all kind of the same thing. It's just sort of, you know, it's an archipelago with a lot of uh, a lot of rocks. I'm actually more interested in Greece than Egypt. Just the history behind and Greece is like the next place I want to go visit if I ever take mm. another vacation in my life. That's where I want to go. I've been trying to save miles to afford a flight to go there for literally like four years now. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really jacked up that it's Greece. I thought I honestly thought Egypt got boring really fast. I I thought Origins in general got boring really fast. I only. I have finished every Assassin's Creed game ever except for that one, and I played it for like 15 hours before I gave up and didn't care anymore. I, this I, one, I'm in. Like, I already know I'm going to play this game and finish it. Um, that's let's a t- long let's talk. game. I know it is. I mean, Assassin's Creed, I finished Assassin's Creed Origins in both DLCs, and that was 105 hours. But you play different. Like, I, I'll play some of the side stuff, but I'll mostly stick to the main path and finish the main story. Yeah, well, I'll I'm, probably finish it in like 35 or 40 hours. Well, I'm interested to see, because like one of the things with Origins was they gated the story missions oh, that's much right. harder by level. That's right. Um, this looks like the story missions mostly match, like seem to scale with you. Yeah, it does. So it may, yeah. they may have fixed that. Yeah. Um, certainly they added a scaling option for Origins later on after a few patches. Um, I liked Origins quite a bit, but uh, I think it didn't come into its own for me until the later DLC where they took the, it took the safety off of it. I mean, by the by, Curse of the Pharaohs DLC, you're fighting gods and resurrected yeah, yeah, yeah. pharaohs cool. and giant scorpions, yeah, and it's yeah. like, and the, the, the explanation for that is like the piece of Eden, you know, the the, the ancient tech just causes this stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, do it. I mean, there's like medusas <laughs> and stuff in yeah, this go game ahead. and everything. Great. Like, I just I mean, want to fight them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the, the more you can change that up, the better. I have no... Qual- I mean, it's, you're playing it in a, in a mental video game in the Animus. Might as yeah. well have some fun. And I'm guessing that mythical Greek creatures are going to be a part of this. I haven't really yeah. got to them yet, but... Well, no, we haven't seen it, but it's but there's, I mean... The, I mean, there's a Cyclops. The, mar- the marketing has shown... Well, kind of. Uh, well, no, he's yeah. just he's a big dude, yeah. but like... Some, uh, there's a guy who actually even makes fun of you for that. He's like, oh, these provincial types think Cyclops is... He's like, no, like, no it's a guy. We call him Cyclops because he has one eye. One like, eye you, yeah. you dick. But, like, but um, they tease th- but there's, you. There's like, like, they make you think you're going to fight a Cyclops in the game until you actually meet him. And you're like, oh, okay, good I one. didn't get that out of it. But I've seen like the, the marketing stuff that there's like a Medusa or something at some point. I mean, yeah. you, because of the, the artifacts of the first civilization... Are like you know basically magic. Yeah. Like you can do. You can do whatever the hell you want. want. It's great. Uh, let's talk about the combat. Like that seems to be the the thrust of the overall story. Of course, is she's looking for one of those. She's gonna end up looking for one of those artifacts. That's the whole. That's what the whole object yeah. is: is to find an artifact that can basically bring the assassins back into prominence. Mm-hmm. That's the setup. That's that's the, what the the modern day woman right. is trying to find. You know, yeah. you're always doing. You're always trying to like use the historical memories to to find the, the, artifact, the artifact to bring the assassins yeah. back again. <laughs> you're right. Uh, let's talk about combat. Uh, obviously, counter kills were removed in the last game, and they're not mm-hmm. in this game either. Um, instead, you have a parry where you have to time both of the top shoulder buttons mm-hmm. at the time of the swing, and it will blow them back, and everything kind of goes into slow motion for a bit. And you have a chance to kind of get a couple swipes in, but 
it's certainly nowhere near the way counter kills were, which is no, great. The counter kills were ruined the game for a really long time. Well, they were always. I mean, you could you could win the entire first game just using the hidden blade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is. I mean, so yeah, I think the combat's more interesting now. Um, uh, it's also not like an auto win, like you, even in comparison to Origins. So like Origins, there were moments where like you know I could probably take on thirty guys in Origins and win. In this. Not so much. Maybe maybe when I'm more powerful, maybe like around level 50 or something. But right now, like if more than three guys show up, I basically have to run. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to do it as much now that I got the skill which just me takes their take their shield away. Because um, the sh I mean, all these guys with their damn giant, you know, Athenian shields yeah. are no joke. Uh, Remember what I said about uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider about how the skill tree there was just loaded with stuff I didn't care about, mm -hmm. and how Spider-Man's was great. This one's also great. The skill tree in this, there are three different ones. Um, there's basically one for combat, there's one for being an assassin, and one for being a hunter. Yeah. And I've so far just pretty much plowed all my points into the combat tree. But when you unlock something, it changes things. It, like you just said, like you're tired of fighting guys with shields. So you unlocked an ability that allowed you to take the shields away from enemies. Like... It's relevant, important, immediate stuff that actually makes a big difference in how you play the game. So the skill trees in this, to me, can motivate me to keep playing, motivate me. And I love games that let you see what's up above instead of hiding them. Like, you can still see, you can kind of figure out, okay, this is the path I want to take through this tree to try to get to this ability that I ultimately want to get. Um, and this game lets you do that as well. Uh, the combat, still, it's a little janky. Like, yeah. it still doesn't feel... It's no Dark Souls. ...good. Yeah, it's like, there are moments where, like, your, your axe or whatever you're using is just swinging wildly in the wind, and you're taking hit points off of enemies. Enemies, their attack animations... I think you'll see, actually, here with this, I fight this lion, and there's one moment where he just kind of, like, lunges at me, yeah, and just kind of appears on the other side of me. Like, this is... You can see, like, it's, it's just kind of janky, the combat still. Yeah, fighting the animals is probably the weakest part of it yeah. at this point. Um, I think for the most part they've they've improved it. It's not quite where it should be. Yeah. Um, but it works. Like it's you know it's certainly one of the more interesting combat systems for an open world game. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's a good reinvention, and I think maybe give them another game and they'll be there. So far, I don't think they've they've addressed one of my key concerns in terms of like, okay, so so Origins sort of took a bunch of pages out of The Witcher 3's book. Um, you know, this plays much more like The Witcher 3 than, than, than most of the previous Assassin's Creed games did. Um, I would say that they need to work on making the writing better. Not that the writing is bad. No, it is. Some of it but is bad, like, Matt. But, like, the side quest stuff just doesn't have any meat on it. You know what I mean? Like, the main quest and, like, the characters you run into are fine. But, like, like if you're going to ape The Witcher 3 this hard, you're going to have to step up in the ways The Witcher 3 did. And the side quests in The Witcher 3 are better than the main story in this game. And they should, they should be focusing on that for whatever the next game they make is, I think. Some of the writing is bad. Some of the voice acting is literally laughably bad. Like it's, You can tell that they're voice actors who are not Greek trying to speak with a Greek accent. And like there's, like you, I think, I can't remember what game you were mentioning it last episode where you said like literally within one line you would hear them like change their accent. Oh, uh, that was uh, uh, Dragon Quest Nine. Yeah. Dragon Quest yeah, Eleven. Yeah. And uh, I saw that. The there are instances of that in this game as well. Mm -hmm. um, Not the... I'm, uh, I've been very impressed by Cassandra's voice actor. Yeah. She's very good. She might be legitimately Greek. 
Um, the main cast tends to be pretty good. The incidental characters Alexios are Alexios is weaker. not great. No? No. Nope. Some of his lines are not delivered very well. In fact, I now regret. I think I should have played with Cassandra instead. But, um, And then visually, it, it, uh, coming here and seeing it on your 4K TV, running on Xbox One X, it literally looked like a different game to me. I'm playing it on the base PS4, and it looks good, but there's all kinds of, and it, maybe you even get this on the X. Like, there was one character I met that was wearing, like, a straw hat, or not even a straw hat, but, like, a hat that was, like, woven or whatever, and, like, you could tell that they had, like, attached the top of the hat to the brim of the hat, and there was a seam in between, mm. and the lighting was coming down the seam and, like, on her face. Like, there's little stuff like that all through the game. Like, it's rough around the edges, I guess is the best way I could put it. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, that's kind of the... It's kind of Assassin's Creed, really. Assassin's Creed, but it's also just sort of an open world game. You can't predict every possible interaction. The one thing that I um, would like to see addressed, and maybe it needs to be addressed next generation, is early on, uh, after you leave the, uh, the, the first island, you have to talk to this Spartan, like, lieutenant guy. Like, the Spartan, you're trying to talk to the general but he won't let you, so you have to talk to him and do some fav favors for him, because it's an RPG. And um, <laughs> the guy you're talking to is in full, like, kind of bronze armor, but he's do it's doing the thing that games do all the time, where he's talking and moving in the cutscene, and the armor is mo is morphing with his character yeah. model, because it's, like, clothing. It's, yeah. like, it's moving like cloth clothing. Yep. I would love to see, maybe next generation, as we move in there, armor that is, like... Metal made out but of like, metal, like literally. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the body moves underneath, but the but the armor doesn't stretch with the character yeah. model. Because we've kind of gotten there with clothing. Like clothing used to be part of the character mesh, and now like they do clothing that kind of sits well, on like, the character model, and looks game, like real clothing. But they haven't quite gotten there with armor. I, I had that same issue with um, uh, Kingdom Kingdom Come mm. Deliverance. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they did that in that yeah. too. It, I just think it looks. Well, like the, the games look so good stuff. now that that looks so cheap that I that, that distracts me. Well, then, like the necklaces and stuff are independent in this. Yeah. Like you'll see them sway side to side while you talk to a character. Or whatever. A little more than a necklace would, even. It's, yeah. It's just it's just it's, it's like, little things. It's you know, especially in a game that looks this good, kind of on a macro scale. It's the little things that kind of take you out of it. Um, and then apparently later on in the game, you get into the system called the Nation Struggle System, where you have, actually have to join sides mm -hmm. of the war. I have not got there yet, so I can't now really comment on that. seems pretty far it. down the line, but you can see if you look at the world map, and like it'll it shows you that yeah. each territory is controlled by either the Athenians or the Spartans. Yep. And uh, I'm working for the Spartans right now, but the Spartan soldiers are all have life bars, and I all I always have the option to kill them or assassinate them. Yeah. So clearly, you can play both sides as much as you want until like probably there's going to force you to eventually make a you probably have to pick sides, probably for a big war at the end or something. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything I have. Those are all my notes. Obviously, oh, there's love, obvious love options in the conversation yeah, trees. Yeah, a little heart next to the conversation options. And you'll be able to pair up with anybody. Yeah, there's no, there's no difference between Alexios and Cassandra in that regard. You can, you can woo the men, you can woo the women, you can woo nobody, you can do whatever, you can woo both, whatever you want. The only other criticism I think I have based upon what I've played so far is some of the save checkpoints, if you die, are brutal. Like, they'll take you, like, for instance, the Cyclops. Like, the first time I fought him, I died. 
And when I died, it sent me all the way back to the last blacksmith that I had talked to, mm. which was like, I think, I don't know, like 600 meters away or yeah. something. Well, I've noticed that it does not, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins saved obsessively. Yeah. Like, you constantly autosave. You can't quick save in this, like a PC you can. game. You can. Yeah. Yeah, so like, you couldn't do that in Origins. Right. Yeah, uh, but PC. now, if you go in, you can just hit up on the D-pad and quick save it. And you can do a manual save from the main menu as well. Yeah. Um, which you could do on, on Origins, but you never quite knew where it was going to put you. Um, so yeah, I've kind of gotten in the, into the habit of quick saving pretty often. Like, uh, if I, if I'm going into something I think might be dangerous. Oh yeah. Especially, uh, if I go into a camp, especially I at quick sea, save. At sea. Like if you, yeah. if you get killed at sea, you will be put back to where you got on the boat. The port. Yeah. So yeah. like, so yeah. you, you'd lose a lot of progress. And that's so. a little weird. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a terrible thing. But mm. it's different from what we're used to playing with games now where you get a checkpoint like yeah. every like 30 seconds or whatever. I mean, I don't it's mind just a little it. different. I don't mind a little uh, a little self, you know, a little self-awareness on that. Yeah. Oh, and uh, we didn't talk about the 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 change in in how the, the 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 quest stuff works where you've got the classic and the exploration mode. Oh yeah. Or that's the other option you're given at the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. So when you start the game, you have two different ways you can play. You can play the old school way, which is the way I chose to play, that shows all the icons, and it can be overwhelming, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. There are times where you look at the map or you look ahead and you're just like, oh my god, there's like 80 dudes and like 25 icons. So you can choose to play the traditional way, which mm -hmm. is what I chose because it's the way we've been playing Creed all along, or you can play the way Matt chose to play. You play ex exploration mode because it tells you this is how it's supposed to be played. Of course. Um, just like how Call of Duty is supposed to be played on hardened. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, what exploration mode does, is it takes away all the the, the checkpoint, uh, all the um, quest markers. Yeah. So uh, in like classic mode, you'd you'd be told like, okay, you have to go um, find this guy and kill him. And uh, in classic mode, it'll just put the little marker where he is on the yeah. map to go. You'll go to him and you'll find him, and you'll have to find a way to kill him. In the exploration mode, it doesn't give you that marker. It gives you a series of hints if you talk to the right people or pick the right dialogue choices in the in the conversation. So it'll say, you know, he is in this, you know, this named area. He is in the south part of that area. He is east of of the blacksmith. And so you have to go to that area, find the place east of the blacksmith, and look around and use your eagle uh, to to basically pinpoint him. So it's not, it doesn't handhold you to Will every location. Will the eagle location. spot him still? Yeah, it'll, okay. if, if you get close enough to where he is, it'll say like, oh, you're, you're near your, your objective Send and you switch the eagle and it does the yellow instead of the white. It does right, the yellow right. instead of the white and you target him and then it puts a marker there when the eagle spots him okay. and you go to him. But basically it's like... It just takes away, the, it makes it a little more makes diff a, difficult. Exploration. Yeah. It's just, you know, the idea is like you have to go find the place and know where you are and not just, you're not just like, Going from checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint and never learning anything about the air, because like, and now it's funny because like you, you know, one of the quests will say like, oh, go to this. Place. I know where that place is. That was where that other guy was. He was east of that. So it's like, yeah. so I am having to pay attention and learn where various things are, and I do, I do like it. It's, it's closer. If you played Assassin's Creed Origins, there were the, um, and they're still in this game as well. But you'd find the. Um, like the scrolls or whatever that would like give you the little riddle that said like oh it's you know over here and north of the da 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 you yeah. have to go here and now find the whole the game is that way now like <laughs> all the quests can be like that yeah. if you if you like the, doing that instead of just being told go here go here go here that this is like they're not as obtuse as that but like it's just a little extra 
way of letting you do it how you want. And, and you can turn of, it on and off whenever yeah, you, you can want. Yeah, you can turn it on and off you however you want. You can it, you can turn it off. If you want to try it, you can turn it on. And some, I did actually turn it back to classic briefly when I got a quest that wanted me to destroy these five things. And I couldn't figure out where they were. Yeah. And so I'm like, maybe if I switch to classic. And then of course, yeah, classic Ding! it shows you where they all are. <laughs> it right up. And it was just it just the the description of the quest was not verbose enough or detailed enough to tell me where these things were supposed to be. And yeah. I probably would have found them eventually anyway. But like, I just didn't know what the hell. You know, it would tell me, oh, go sink four boats. And I'm like, do you want me to get on the ship and go find four boats right, and sink right. them? Or, you want me to, or are they like in port somewhere? It's like, so I need a little more guidance. So that was what I used that for. Yep, you can flip it on and off whenever you want. You can change the difficulty whenever you want. Yeah, the difficulty. It's pretty you know, flexible in, in that way. So it's, uh, but I like the exploration mode. It, it feels it feels a little less rigid. And uh, and this game seems to be more about sort of things flowing together and, and the systems working together more organically and not being compartmentalized into like, now you are in a tomb and you will do this tomb thing and now you have come out and now you have to go over here and you have to find this thing. Yeah, it, it, uh, uh, Origins felt very much like going from place to place to place to place. I mean, they've this, all, all games kind of feel that way now. Yeah, but, but like it was all very regimented and this game like where the mercenaries sort of like overflow and ruin things. Yeah. As, like they, inter, they intrude on various on places that I expected to be isolated. Or to be safe. Yeah, in, yeah. in, in the history of the franchise right. that's how that would have worked yeah. and, and the mercenaries kind of break that. It does. Yeah. And it keeps you on guard. That's cool. I like yeah. that. I like it too. So, both of us, 10, 15 hours in, yeah. do you recommend it as a purchase? Yeah. I mean, if you if you liked Origins and you'd like more of that and, you know. But kinda... there are substantial tweaks. Significant yeah. It's, it's, tweaks it's not the it. same game again at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, this feels like the most different Assassin's Creed other than maybe when you start talking about the first three where they're like they're really finding figuring, the formula. Right. Yeah. yeah. Once it kind of settled into that group, to me... This mm -hmm. is the most different yeah, and playing of them. Yeah, I think it harkens back to things I liked about Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which is still probably my favorite game in the Me series. Me too, yeah. Um, where it gave you these, you know, gave you these other assassins to call in. Like you felt like you were kind of leading a group. A yeah, little bit. absolutely. And you're they're building to that in this with a ship crew and being yep. able, to, you know, you can get an ability that calls your one of your lieutenants in to help you in normal combat. Yeah, and like, yeah. There's like there's more to it. They expanded the 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 bow stuff you can do. It's not. As, I I don't think it's as frustratingly weak as it was in Origins, where I, the bow was just sort of pointless. I use it the never, bow all the time in this. Never killed anybody, but now yeah. it feels like you can really use it for things. Um, I think that you know I I wasn't really seeing a lot of difference between this and Origins in the in the run up with E3 and everything, but getting my hands on it and and seeing how it all the systems unfold. Like I think you know obviously it's a different team because they didn't. You, know, you they, can tell, and but I like think immediately. You I can think tell. this. I think this team got might, it. Might be the A team. <laughs> I'm sure they're building on what was learned by the, the the Origins team, pioneering their way into this new kind of re reinvention of the series. Yeah. But uh, I so far it feels like they really nailed it. So you're saying buy it. I also say buy it, but I would not pay the extra money to play it early. Well, if I hadn't or is it even too late for that now? Because is that what Friday for everybody? Friday for everyone. It it, it went live last night for pre-orders of anything above the vanilla version. Right. Um, yeah, I mean that's up to you if you think that's worth paying actual money to play three days. How early. much extra is it? Um, I think the deluxe version or the gold version or whatever is like seventy nine. Oh, so an extra twenty. Every bucks. Tw extra twenty bucks, and then there's an ultimate edition. It's like one twenty. That includes every all the passes and all right. the everything. So, yeah, but, I would say hold on till Friday, but... Yeah, at the very least, like, 
you know, wait and see what the rest of the deal... I mean, it's, unless you're a giant Assassin's Creed 3 fan, because that's one of the season pass things, the remaster... It's so weird. ...of Assassin's Creed 3 so and, Liber- and Liberation. <laughs> that makes no sense to me at all. It's the last one that hasn't gotten a remaster, uh, basically. Like, still, though. Everything else is either this gen or got some kind of remaster, right. except for the first one. Um, I don't think a lot of people want to play the first one again. No. It's hard to play it now. It's a little clunky. I, yeah. I still love that game because of what it was Well, at the yeah, time. yeah. I mean, I have... I have like, but it's like playing it now is like okay. So there's no the cutscenes have no set camera angles, and I can't see what anyone's doing, and it won't let me center that. And now I just like you can't skip any of them. Yeah. And it's like I played that game three times all the way through. It was amazing when it I came out. It. it was amazing. It was groundbreaking, completely different. It deserves the score as it got, but now you look back, you're like, yeah, it's probably not yeah. worth that. Score Bit of now. a prototype yeah. in, in hindsight. Uh, Assassin's Creed Two is. Uh, what the game wanted to be, I yeah, think. Yeah, where I started figuring it out. So, there you go. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Game's looking hot. Recommend you guys wait until Friday to pick it up, though. The game is gigantic. Like, yeah, it's, based I'm, upon what I've played so far and, like, what my percentages are at and, like, all my tickers mm. are at, like, it's a gigantic oh, game. It's, you pull back on the map. It's, it's, I think the map is bigger than Origins. Yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to come back next week and have completely different impressions of this game than what we have right now. Mm, I think we're going to come back next year. And <laughs> Well, hopefully by next week I will finish the game. I'm going to try to get it finished as soon as I can to get the game evaluated. Well, I can guarantee guys, but... you I will not have finished it by next week because yeah. I, I, am, I am more of a completist about these things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll just basically plow through like the main quest and all. Any side quests that really pique my interest, I'll check mm-hmm. them out. But all the... Hey, go get this goat for me. Like, no, that crap. I won't do any of that. So, yeah. We'll get back to it next week. But as of right now, both of us say, worth your 60 bucks. If you're an Assassin's Creed fan, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Or if you like Ancient Greece. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of people like Ancient Greece. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I hope they do the same thing they did with Origins, where they add, like, kind of the, the history tour. Like thing. I mean, the, look again. Like the historical tourism here on display to me is amazing. Like, yeah. it's a nice precursor until I can finally go to Greece. And, and the shit. sharks are great too. There's, there's a lot, so much more wildlife in this one. The sharks oh, just, and they're everywhere. Yeah. so many freaking birds and goats and yeah, ancient Greece is a real crow problem. Yeah, they, it turns yeah. Out. Like, <laughs> they have a real animal problem. Like when I first started playing it, I'm like, are they against killing animals or something? Like, no, that's realistic. I mean. Ancient cities, I mean... They're just overrun with wildlife, really. Where do you think all our diseases came from? Yeah, I guess that's a good I mean, there was just animals running around everywhere. That's the thing you... Crapping everywhere. Pre-modern cities were just choked with livestock. Like, horses and cows and pigs. Just pigs. They get that right, too. It's like you go to some of the larger cities. There's just pigs wandering around. Running around. Totally real. Totally believe... Absolutely a real thing. Yeah. You can kill them and skin them. And yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Because that all plays into the notoriety yeah, system. I, I also like that that's a thing they added. They did not have an Origins was, um, you know, if you're in a civilized area, uh, if you can loot stuff, but it's stealing. Right. Like, you can get caught that, for stealing. This, it's that way in this one, too. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't in Origins. Like oh, that. I didn't there realize was, that. No, you, you could ne- you, no one ever criticized you for looting someone's house. But if someone sees you take stuff with a red, if the dot's red instead of white, you're stealing... And well, it shows you the icon too. Like oh, yeah. you know when like, you're you doing know it. when it's you're doing it, but like yeah. that's an element that wasn't there in Origins, and I think it and it adds a little more of a 
you know, it also adds a little more to the character because the character is not the nicest person, you know, or well, doesn't also, have to be. it ties into the notoriety. If you're trying to crack a deal with somebody later on and they know that you're yep. a thief, they're not going to do the deal with you. Yeah. So. And if you, you know, again, if you get into open combat because you stole stuff, that's going to raise your mercenary level and then yep. you might have worse mercenaries coming after you. You do not it want all, that. It's, uh, it's, it's it just all the way it all inter together. interconnects is really nice. It's, it's yeah. a, it's, uh, it's a, that's the best improvement so far from Origins is that Origins felt like a very segmented game and this feels like it's all working together as a unified whole. Yep. It's good, people. I Don't dig it. Yeah. I do, they're, they're, I do dig it. Yeah, based upon the reviews that I've seen so far, they're it, they're pretty legit. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I can already say that it, it's, it's nowhere near like a 10 or anything like that, but... No. I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. And it's time for our trailer of the week. And we've been talking all kinds of smack about uh, Fallout 76 for the last like month. We're like, mm -hmm. when do we get to play it? When do we get... Well, there is a playable version out there because Bethesda allowed a sick boy to play it as his Make-A-Wish Foundation mm -hmm. wish. So there is a playable version of this game out there. There's also a beta coming very soon. And just today, Bethesda released the opening cinematic for the game, and we're going to show it to you right now. This great nation accepted that armed conflict was the only way to preserve our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If our founding fathers could only see us now. From Antietam to Amiens, Okinawa to Anchorage, we have fought. And now, the Red Menace is at our doorstep. Democracy itself is under threat of annihilation. That is why today, July 4th, 2076, 300 years after our great nation began, we gather together to honor the completion of Vault 76. This sprawling underground shelter may have been engineered by Vault Tech, but it was built by you good people of America, so that if the bombs do come, if the end does come, our way of life will endure. But not everyone will be saved. Those chosen to enter this vault must be our best and our brightest. For when the fighting has stopped and the fallout has settled, you must rebuild. Not just walls, not just buildings, but hearts and minds, and ultimately, America itself. So as we stand here today, we pray that the world will know peace. But if that is not our destiny, if war must come, we stand together knowing that here in Vault 76, our future begins. One boring ass trailer. I'm <laughs> not even kidding. It's like that's how the game opens. It's like, does that get you excited to like 
Go survive in the nuclear wasteland. Uh, let's I, see. I do like that the power armor is like meaner. Yeah. Know? Like he's got dark, his eyebrows are down yeah, further yeah. now. Because <laughs> he's bad. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some questions. Wolfox10JC. Matt, did you watch Predator? You mean like The Predator? Yeah, the movie that just came out no. with Olivia Munn. No, I, I have other things to do with my money. <laughs> Besides support Olivia and Munn? Like anything. No, I'm, I'm nothing against Olivia Munn. She was yeah. always very nice to me. It's just a um, bad movie. I just don't. I mean, the, yeah, it's a Predator sequel. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Like, How it, did the film do? Uh, not tops. <laughs> did it make his money back, do you think? No, I don't think so, no. It didn't do very well. I saw numerous people on social media say that they went to see it and they were like the only people in the theater yeah it sounds about right yeah <laughs> i think we're about you to don't s- know the box office numbers i don't though? remember i think i i don't remember offhand i wasn't paying that close attention but i know it, it wasn't up to snuff yeah it's not a it's not a cheap movie i think they expected to make more than what it made uh i think you're about to see a repeat of that with venom really so. Social social media reaction to Venom when the embargo was up uh, last night, and it was not positive. Really? Um, now, there was an issue with uh, Lady Gaga fans uh, spamming, like, fake negative reviews of Venom and telling people to go see A Star is Born instead, because that comes out on the same day. Oh, my god! But a lot of the influencers... <laughs> but a lot of the influ- Is life too freaking weird or right, what? It is really weird. But um, the... Uh, <laughs> The people that got out of the screen, the influencers that got out of the screening of Venom last night were basically like, yeah, this movie escaped from like the 90s. It's just like, a, it's like Catwoman bad, oh. but it's like kind of entertaining bad. It's, you know, like there, there's so people bad kind, of saying, good. kind of saying it's a so bad is good thing. Um, like Tom Hardy's the only one who doesn't seem to know he's in like a bad movie sort of thing. Uh-huh. But um, I feel like it's, you know, they were, they were, that was tracking 40 to $50 million. I think the, the bad reviews are going to, are going to, drop it a little more you might be looking at a justice league kind of short of the predictions situation um not that it really matters because like well i guess it does kind of matter in the sense that like you have to something has to convince sony to stop trying to make spider-man movies (laughs) and just let marvel do it because like so hit video games not gonna do it no so we'll see uh how this goes but it seems like uh seems like venom might not be uh performing up to up to par you heard it here first, people. Um, uh, unless you've looked at Twitter today, in which case you've heard it a thousand times right. already, because that's basically the talk of the morning uh, in in the in the nerd movie space. Anyway, there's there's other things going on too. Uh, J Reed Vic Seven taking out the cold and calculated business and considerations that are probably the driving factor. But does a PlayStation Classic make sense if it's not going to be a true best of collection? And museum for stuff like Gran Turismo, Tomb Raider, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Twisted Metal, etc. No, it does not. Um, especially in the wake of what I think the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic uh, do a good job of being that. Do like, we even know that yet, though, about the PlayStation Classic? Those games aren't going to be there? The fact that there's no uh, analog stick, to me, says that several of those games will not be there. Yeah. There will not be a Metal Gear Solid. There will not be Gran Turismo. Um, you don't have an analog stick, you can't play those games. Um, so yeah, I would say it's going to be a pretty poor snapshot of a very important system, which is not something I think you can say fairly about the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic. I think those systems, those two micro consoles, both give you a really good overview of all the things that made those, all the games in the library that made those systems great. Yeah. And PlayStation Classic, PlayStation Classic with all the licensing issues as well, but like just without the, the analog sticks, 
you're already leaving too many st things off on the table. That really has turned out to be a really poor decision, probably for Sony to save like two dollars per unit. Yeah, or I mean, something. I think the I think the the killer is going to be that there's no Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I think PlayStation fans. I mean, are, that's what you expect if you think about one PlayStation game that you expect to be on the classic. It's either Fan Final Fantasy VII or Metal, or Metal Gear Solid. Gear. One it's of the one of those two. Yep. And leaving Metal Gear off is going to be a killer. Yeah. And I say we still don't know that yet, though. Although... No, but I don't see how you do that without an analog stick. I don't stick. either. I mean, I guess you can. You could. But wouldn't be ideal. Eh, I wouldn't uh, want to. Yeah. Here's one from W. Unless it, did, it, did it use the analog stick at the time? It was after the dual analog came out because '98. But I don't remember if it must have. Was it required? I know it used it, but was it required? It, it may not have been required. I wouldn't know because I bought like the analog, like the DualShock, oh, yeah. as soon as it came out. I bought so. the dual analog. Uh, it wasn't even the DualShock yet. it yeah, was, it was, it was the, one the, the long sticks. It was just the shock. It was. It was just. It was no shock. It was just the dual <laughs> right. analog. Yeah. And it had better sticks because they were concave. Right. Um, I got that to go with Colony Wars. Another game that won't be on it. Yeah, which that should be. Only I and like two people in the comments of the last game face care about. Yep. Uh, Bring back Colony Wars. W. Matthew, what third-party publisher gets cross-platform play between all the consoles first? And bonus, which game? Epic doesn't count. Also, what do you think of the Google Stream stuff? Did you sign up for the beta? Uh, well, removing Epic from the choices <laughs> takes away the most obvious answer, that's for sure. I mean, it would be Psionics with Rocket League. Yeah, they, they said that they can turn that on whenever they want. Yeah, they're all they're just waiting to flip a switch, contrary to what uh, Sean yeah. Layden may tell you. Uh, they've Rocket League's been ready for like months and months, so I would say absolutely years. Rocket League. Yeah, like they they've talked about that like two years ago, I think. Yep. Um, S1 Agather, what is your opinion on the original Witcher author demanding more money from CG CD Projekt Red for the Witcher license? He contends the deal was only for the first game. And deserves approximately U.S. twenty-two million from the sales of two and three, and presumably Thronebreaker. Uh, now, before you answer that, that there is one one caveat. At least if it's accurate, someone in the comments on Sifted under the story today said that in Poland there is a law in place where if you sign an agreement and the agreement becomes basically so one-sided in one's favor that there can be reparations. Mm. Um, but otherwise. How do you feel about it? Um, I mean, he screwed up. Yeah. Or maybe his business manager did. I mean, the, the, I probably he probably didn't have a manager. I don't know. I mean, he sold he sold the the video game rights to it to them to to CD Projekt for very little peanuts. Um, yeah. Because he didn't think anything would come of it. Because he doesn't understand video games. Right. I mean, look, I like the books. I mean, I've read all the books. They're they're good. Um, I hear they're better in the original Polish. Uh, the, the English translations are a little dry, as I understand it. Um, but I like them. Uh, but the dude is a little weird, and he. Um, there, I saw it was a dual interview. I don't think it was both of them together, but it was an interview. It was basically an interview with this guy where he talked about how the reason the games were successful is because of the books, which is ridiculous. I mean, in Poland maybe where they're like the Harry Potter of Poland, but outside of Poland, no one had ever heard of this thing yeah. before the games showed up. And the, the you know the Witcher Three success is completely due to CD Projekt Red building that franchise into something oh, yeah. people cared about um, over the years. No, I sell so many games in Poland. Oh yeah, and um, <laughs> but like 
the other guy they interviewed in this article was the guy who wrote the Metro books that the Metro 2033 is based on. Uh-huh. And he, uh, I think he probably cut a better deal, but um, he basically is saying like, no, my books don't have anything to do with the game. I mean, he's like, you know, not that the Metro games have been as successful as the Witcher, right. but he's like, no, that's, and they ask him about this guy, you know, the, pol- the Witcher guy, uh, and he's like, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's, like, no. Like, many, did your book sell 8 million copies? No. Then how did that happen? You know, Are like, the plots in The Witcher ripped directly from the books? No. Or they're just inspired by the books? The, 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 the games are a sequel to the books. Okay. Um, the end of, at the end of the books, uh, he basically, he gets, he lives on an island with Yennefer uh, because Ciri brought them there after they got killed in a riot. And, and an anti-non-human riot, and uh, then they get taken up. I guess by the, they get taken up by the, the wild hunt. And the beginning of the original game, he's running through the woods and has amnesia, and he gets picked up by the other witchers and taken back to the castle. That's him after having escaped from the wild hunt, and he doesn't remember anything. And it's, it's not until The Witcher Three that he finds out what happened between uh, okay. the books and the games. Got it, got it. So the, the part of the thing with the games was what happened and why is, why, because the, the games, the books sort of had a happy-ish ending and the question became like, well, wait, what happened between that and that? Yeah. Um, so no, they are a continuation of the books. Uh, apparently the author is not a huge fan of the direction they took the story. Um, Too bad. But <laughs> Too bad. Sorry, you know. I don't know. I guess Word I'm is the Netflix series is going to uh, to focus more on the book aspect oh, of things. Um, there is also some some rumors that uh, it may be using Netflix's new choose your own adventure technology. Yeah, uh, interesting. Two of the apparently two of the projects because the the one an episode of Black Mirror in the new season. Which goes up on in December, I think. One episode. Is a new season of Black Mirror coming in December? Uh, that's what I understand. Woo-hoo! Yes. So one episode of that is apparently going to have some kind of choose-your-own-adventure element to it. Really? So you pick the ending or something. Are you kidding like me? It's a thing Netflix has been working on. That sounds and, awesome. And the same report says that two of the other projects they're trying to apply that to are video game adaptations. Wow. And you have to assume one of those. Yeah, is the of course. Yeah, it has to be. I'm kind of torn on this because. Look, legally, the guy probably isn't owed another cent. He totally screwed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if that law that was mentioned in the comments is a real thing, yeah, they probably do owe him a bit more. Yeah. Maybe not $22 million. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be a little excessive. But, like, <laughs> but enough to live comfortably is, forever on. But maybe. see what happens is you ask for that big amount knowing that you're never going to get it, but you set that big number so right. that when you come in in the middle, you're still getting more than you thought you were going to get. Yeah. I mean, that's typically how settlements work. But anyway... I do feel bad for the guy because I feel like he was probably naive and didn't really understand what he was getting into. No. Well, he still, if you read the interview that I was referring to with the Metro guy, like he still, the, the he still does not understand really what a video game right. is. He doesn't yeah. quite get it. You can tell. And even if you had a he just knows manager, that it made a lot of money and he didn't see any of right, that money. Right. And even if you have a manager, he probably doesn't get games either. He's like, oh, uh-huh. just sign it for whatever. It's free money. You don't have to do anything. And uh, look, legally, CD Projekt Red probably doesn't owe him anything. I think, in my heart, I feel bad for the guy, and I feel like he probably deserved to make more out of the deal than he did. Yeah. I also feel like if he had maybe been less of a dick about it, that maybe CD Projekt Red would have been a little more right. willing to, you know, be copacetic with it. But yeah. like, mm, I don't know. I don't know the politics of that situation internally, but also he has never been particularly complimentary toward their work. Yeah, so I yeah. can, it's hard for me to blame. They, they probably them. don't appreciate that either. And I mean, the guys at CD Projekt Red are great, but we don't know their lawyers. Yeah. So, and that's two yeah. completely different things. So, 
I think you should just keep that in mind when you I mean, look I, at it. I mean, I credit CD Projekt Red for basically the worldwide success of The Witcher at this point because... Yeah, of course. I, I would never oh, have yeah. heard of any of those books if, I that, if those games I never even existed if it wasn't for the game. Yeah, the only reason... I mean, I only looked at it back in, when they were first demoing in the back of the Bioware booth years ago because I'm like, Witcher? What kind of word is that? You know, like, I, that was my whole curiosity was, what is a Witcher? And... Uh, for, here we are now. Oh, we never answered W. Matthews' question about uh, Google and the whole I don't know what stream stuff. Like, I saw something quickly, uh, like, right before I left to come over. Is that like And the... I do not have the whole story, but there's know. some kind of breaking news that happened today about it. Maybe you can give us more context and we'll, we'll reply to it when we know more about it. Uh, on Tuesdays, I am literally in like a bubble. Like I wake up and just the first moment I wake up is just getting this show together. And I charge it until I get in my car to come over here. And I have no idea what else is going on in the world. Like I saw the uh, Harry Potter stuff today because somebody emailed me about it and I had it in my inbox this morning. But otherwise, I would, probably wouldn't have known about that either. So let's answer a couple more. Um, Congrim 1, Amazon has recently been canceling pre-orders for Switch products and not offering them for sale. They've done the same to PlayStation in, recent, in the recent past as well. Do you have any insight on what would have caused these bad relations? Money! Hmm. So what it always is, it's always money. I've told you guys a million times, if you can't figure something yeah. out, it's always the money. Same, so, same thing, and Amazon does that pretty regularly with companies that they are... On the outside. They've been doing that with Disney distributed movies for years. Like you, It goes back to, I think, God, I think it goes back to Winter Soldier. You can't pre-order physical Blu-rays of Marvel movies or Star Wars movies on Amazon because Amazon will only let you order the digital copy until the day the physical item comes out, which is why I have not bought a single Marvel or Star Wars movie from Amazon for years because I just go get it from, from a store that is going to sell it to me. Because the whole point of the Amazon pre-order is to get, sometimes you get a lower price because the price fluctuates, but the idea is to get it the day of, right. you know, when you pre-ordered it. And if you can't do that because I can't order it until the day it comes out, I'm just going to go to Best Buy, it jerks. Yeah. So, yeah, Amazon is really petty about stuff like that. So it doesn't surprise me that they're starting to do that with Nintendo, too. Because Nintendo's the kind of company that would not, oh, absolutely. Would not <laughs> back down from whatever Am stupid thing Amazon wants them to do. Nintendo will be like, we'll sell them on our own website. And we'll give ourselves a copyright strike. <laughs> uh, I cannot read the name of this person because it's like green on white. Uh, but the question is, Matt, if you bought an Xbox One X to play multi-platform games because they are the best versions, why not just play them on PC? Uh, that's C-Crawl. You on, can read that. My, well, on mine, it's, uh, just, it's just green yeah, and black. I got green on white here. Um, I bought an Xbox One X to play, uh, to play uh, 4K Blu-rays um, on my new TV setup. Uh, and it just so happens that <laughs> Fringe benefits. It, it also plays multi-platform games very well. Uh, the reason I don't just play them on PC at this point is uh, twofold. First, my sound system and screen in the other in the 4K setup is way better than my PC one. And two, uh, the differences are not pronounced enough for me to care enough to go play it in the other room, basically. Um, the PC at the, until I upgrade it with you know with whatever the next generation you know not the current crazy thing that's fourth you know thousands of dollars or whatever, but when I upgrade the PC I'll probably gravitate back to the PC for a while with with the new ray tracing and whatever it can do better than the consoles, but um, I'm pretty happy with the Xbox One X's performance and stuff. Is it the point. simple answer though? Like, 
the couch versus a computer chair. Well, I mean, theoretically, I, I mean, I have a laptop that could run PC stuff directly plugged into the, into the thing. I just, it's, I don't think the difference is pronounced enough to matter. But then, but then you gotta like sit up and like have the mat. Like it's no, just... I don't. I play it with a controller. Oh, wired though. Do you have a wireless dongle or something? I can, the Xbox Elite controller is what I use on my PC. It, it uses a wireless. Does it? I usually actually use it wired because I sit will in a it, computer So chair, will it connect to your PC all the way back here from the living well, room? Well, no, I have, a, I have a laptop I could use. It's a oh. gaming laptop that I could, plug, plug that direct, I could plug it directly into the TV setup and play it from there. Gotcha. Um, which would be fine. Yeah. But like I just, you know, instead I just play it on my Xbox. We're going to answer a couple more. We, uh, we I'm not a giant stickler today. for like... You know, I'm not a giant stickler for squeezing another 40 pixels out of the resolution. You know, I don't, as long as it runs fine, I don't really care. It's all about comfort for me. I'd much rather sit on a couch all chilled out than sit in a computer chair. Um, oh, okay, Vincent cleared it up for us. Uh, Google's streaming Assassin's Creed Odyssey through Chrome for beta testers. Kotaku says it's the start of the rumored Project Yeti. That's their entry into gaming. So I wonder if Google is the one handling that in Japan. That would seem to make sense. Or yeah. it's an awful coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there was RE7 already that was streaming for Switch. And maybe that was the first test case? I don't know. Um, what do you make of it? You make a hat, a brooch, pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> is that from Airplane? Yes. Um, I don't know. I got. I'm, I don't have any use for it, but I'll, yeah. I'll wait and keep an eye on it and see how it works. I mean, if if you're if you're gonna give me the choice of a company or a couple companies that could pull something like this off, the two that I would say were would be Google and Amazon, because yeah. they both already have. These servers, like these right. gigantic... I mean, Sifted is on AWS. Well, they also have the, the clout and the money to yeah. just make it work or just throw you know, throw man, manpower and money at it until it functions properly. I mean, they have the, yeah. the, the size and power to do that. It was interesting when AWS Amazon Web Services went out like six or eight months ago because I found out all the other websites that are also using them. Hmm. Because you go on Twitter and everyone's like, oh my God, my website's down. And uh, it was pretty shocking to see that, like, every website at this point is on AWS. Mm. And for good reason. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's a great service. We can spin up new servers or take them down, like, for events. Like, at E3, we'll spend extra money to spin up some servers and things like that. And Amazon's really flexible. And literally, you can just do it in, like, the blink of an eye. And it just works. Um, so if one of those two companies are going to pull it off, um, I believe it's going to be one of those two companies. And... Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see what their reports are. We just don't know enough about it really mm -hmm. right now. Uh, we'll answer one from Vincent, because Vincent is freaking awesome. And this is the last one. Will the just announced Dance Dance Revolution movie, where dance will save a world on the brink of destruction, be better or worse than the Tetris movie? <laughs> I'm assuming that this is legit. There's a DDR movie coming. Sure, why not? Uh, I don't know, but I bet it'll be better than Pixels. <laughs> it's the Tetris movie's it's been real. In, but, oh yeah, the Tetris movie's been in development. Well, for I know like the Tetris movie, years, but now but... there's a DDR movie. Sure, why not? So which one? There were three be... Step Up movies. There can be a Dance Dance Revolution. Movie. Which one's gonna be the better movie? 
I don't know. I mean, it sounds like Dance Dance Revolution might actually get made. Yeah, I'm saying so. DDR will be better because there's going to be dancing in it, and I like dancing and dance music. And that's pretty much... I'm just grasping at straws at this point to try to figure out why I would like one more than the other. They're probably both going to be god-awful and terrible. Oh, I don't know. Really? It's just, it's just a dance movie. I mean, it's like at least there's a kinetic... Do you think it might be thing. like one of those, like teen dance battle movies yeah but i bet there'll be like a last starfighter like sci-fi <laughs> twist where like you dance you dance on the special floor that translates your dance moves into like i don't know laser beams or some <laughs> shit mm. it's possible <laughs> all right just don't be boring that's all i yeah ask. yeah i try i watched like rampage Warcraft. on a flight when i went home for labor day and I will say this, it was better than I thought it was going to be. It still was not good. It's hard to judge movies fairly on a plane, though, because anything's better than staring at the back no, of the you're seat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that stupid penguin surfing movie on a plane I thought was all right. You know, like, <laughs> it's it's a, possible. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation to be in, yep. a long plane flight. All right, so that's it for Game Face episode 142. Like I said... Gotta go buy those shirts. I'm gonna be wearing this shirt every day until the end of time, until we've broken even on our t-shirt. So help us out. American Sifters, help us out. Your European you're European brethren. You're gonna wash it, right? What? You're gonna wash nope. it. No, what? <laughs> then I'm punishing you and saying. Okay, now you're ruining my couch. <laughs> so. I will wear different colors, but I'm gonna wear this shirt until we break even on our shirts. That way, I won't have to say it again. People will just know. So that basically means like I'm gonna buy a bunch of shirts at some point. <laughs> It was all my so master plan. So I don't plan. have to smell this. It was, all my, it was my plan all along, <laughs> Kyle. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining us on the stream. You guys were great. Yes, great questions as always. Uh, folks on YouTube, I do want to send out a special thanks to you guys because uh, we just started promoting stuff for our Twitch Prime again. And like today I had our Twitch channel open while I was working. And I just saw dozens of you guys going in and subscribing on Twitch Prime. Thanks to everybody who did it on the stream today. I know we, we thanked a couple of you guys at the beginning. I've seen a bunch of other people do it while the show was going on. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Uh, those of you who are watching on YouTube who are like, what the hell are you talking about? Descriptions. The description below has the directions on how to subscribe uh, via Twitch Prime and hook us up with a free $2.50 every single month. But you do have to go back and do it every month. So... With that, on behalf of Matt, on behalf of Sam the Man, Game Face is up and out.